0: Get it going! It's time to get up. The game is over as the Canucks drop two of three
1: games against the Montreal Canadiens.
2: Frustrating for sure. I mean, we battled back.
3: We scored two quick goals. We we'll have momentum, and then and they scored a quick one of us on us. Um, so of course it's frustrating.
0: These guys are here to break it all down. Brady goes for the deep shot. He's got a touchdown. Oh! scotty miller let's have a little fun and make you a winner they give you guys three hours in a row to talk this is the starting lineup with james sabolsky and perry solkowski
4: rise and shine metro vancouver it is monday january 25th it is game day here in the city once again how you doing everybody james sabolsky here perry solkowski there Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Senators roll into town for what could be a critical three-game set. The Super Bowl is set for two weeks from now. It's all about to go down. But, Pear, man, it is, what, a week and a half into this at 2021 NHL sprint of a season. And I guess what the sprint is on, not only for the players, but also – for the fans as well, because the heat is on this Vancouver Canucks team going into tonight, man.
1: You know, in this pandemic year, in this year when you're not allowed to spend your Saturday night with your buddies at a bar watching a game and the way to communicate is sitting on your phone or your laptop, I just can't believe how quickly we may go through – 35 players, six GMs, maybe a few coaches, depending on what's going on. The big man on Tuesday, Todd Bertuzzi, said, hey, relax, everybody. There's no such thing on the West Coast as people relaxing as far as the Canucks are concerned. Even I was just, okay, man, can everybody take a breath here? Everybody take a breath and relax and let it all fall down, man. You're never at your best when things start. You get better as they go on. That's what people have to think about with this hockey team, James. Everybody relax. I bet you tomorrow morning the conversation slowly sways the other way.
4: But how long – okay, so how long before you get concerned? Because this is – I think it's the way this team is playing that seems to be the most concerning, that you're now 2-5 and in a seven-game start. Like, it's funny. You start looking at some of the analytics here. Like, this team has to start playing, like, 650 hockey based on the numbers for them to make a playoff spot right now. You know, moneypuck.com, they've got the Canucks with only a 26% chance right now of making the playoffs, and I I get we're only talking seven games in, but if you start creating that big a gap for teams within your division when every game's the proverbial four-pointer pair, like, suddenly the heat really is on.
1: Uh, Listen, I am the farthest thing to say I understand analytics perfectly, I'll question this. What exactly are they basing the analytics on previous seasons? Never had anything like this. Never saw these guys go through 56 games, see teams nine, 10 times. So I'm not going to worry about anything about, okay, here's what the analytics say. Here's here's what it has to be. Now this new formula is if you're not in a playoff position on Valentine's Day, your heart has been punctured. You're not getting to the postseason. I will say you've got to wait another three weeks. And at that point, we may see – some decisions made but what can you do in a time when trades albeit we'll get into what happened on Saturday going to be difficult to make and how how do you judge everybody on teams who never got any preseason games and players who are trying to learn the system the Canucks practiced yesterday for the first time in five days when you're not playing well you know you want to get on the ice and practice but the schedule doesn't allow it CBA days off don't allow it now even on Saturday James they, they lose two of three to the Montreal Canadiens. I actually thought Saturday was the best game of the three they played. They outscored their issues in the first one, and they actually created some stuff five-on-five. Five. And when we played Canucks in a song on Friday morning, I went with the old Aletha Franklin Think. Why did they lose? They fight hard to tie back, tie back two, and then yeah, guys are blowing the zone. JT Miller's not thinking. Quinn Hughes thinking too much. And they make some big mistakes. I don't think they're as far away as one might assume right now by looking at the standings.
4: 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Always open for business. Love to hear your thoughts and what you've seen from the team so far. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can find us both on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, Hey, we should remind everybody that starting today at 8 o'clock, every Monday morning at 8 a.m. on your Canucks commute pair, Kevin Bieksa is now part of the starting lineup, Monday mornings at 8 a.m., here on Sportsnet 650. Looking forward to that conversation. That's
1: a win. Be that? He didn't have a lot of goal horns in his career. He got a big one against San Jose. <laughs> hey, that, that'll be great. I mean, he's got such a wonderful perspective mm-hmm. uh, with this team. And that's where I wonder, James, we'll hear from some of the players yesterday. Uh, you, you know, are, are they in a panic mode? Because my goodness, you know, you were part of the pre and post game on Saturday. Fans are social media They are complete panic. And and who do you blame right now? Blame the players. Blame the players for mentally, maybe in some cases physically, just not being ready to go. Uh, Blame them for everything that they have not been able to achieve right now. Give them a little bit of time, but blame them. I'm not going, Travis Green, what are you doing? Jim Benning, you made this mess up. Because, you know, after 60 minutes when this season opened, you're going, wow, look at this team against the Oilers. They're playing fast. They've got a different level. Just don't think you can judge them, and it's even more difficult to judge them against what I think is the best team in the North Division, one of the better teams in hockey with Montreal here.
4: The numbers are startling. That's the big problem, and yes, I, I'm, I'm with you on the fact that the players are the big issue for this team right now. Now look, you can also look at the salary cap structure for this team and look at a quarter of the salary cap tied up into contracts that you know, essentially stink right now. Whether it's Louis Erickson, whether it's Sven Berchi, whether it's Beagle and Roussel and the money that those guys are costing. And then you just went through a week that you just got absolutely torn apart by three guys who were wearing Canucks jerseys five months ago. Right? Toffoli, Mm Marstrom, Tanev. I mean, it, it all kind of got magnified. Like, it was just the worst case scenario week for the Canucks, front and center, over the last seven days. But look at these numbers right now. In a tweet uh, uh, this weekend from Tommy Sapala who said, goals allowed right now for the Canucks, 33. That's 31st right now overall in the National Hockey League. It is the worst goals against for a team. In fact, it is the worst, the worst ever start for the Canucks in seven games in terms of goals allowed was the 1984-85 Canucks that allowed 43. So it's not... It's not nuclear catastrophe awful, but 33 goals in the first four, seven games is pretty tragic. Where you're giving up almost five goals a night, your penalty killing pair, 25th in the league at 73 and percent, shots allowed, 30th in the league. They're giving up over 36 shots. Scoring chances given, they're dead last in the league. High mm-hmm. danger chances given. And man, how many odd man rushes, breakaways have we seen this team given? Surprise, surprise, they're 30th in the league. Their goalie save percentage right now. Thatcher Demko's 54th overall right now in the league. Braden Holtby's 44th at 888. You got two goalies with save percentages below 900. That's not good by today's standards. They're not getting a lot of help. But I don't know if those guys have necessarily stolen a game for this team yet.
1: No, I, you know, I, I wouldn't put it on the goalies at all. And I would say that's stat completely skewed by games one and two against the Montreal Canadiens when all they did was trade great chances and were fortunate to outscore them. Uh, but they were awful. And, and again, you, you take that based over the short sample size, and the Canucks have played more games than anybody else, and they've played them poorly. You know, there is no way you can look at this hockey team and the games they played and said, you know what, they've been pretty solid defensively. No, they've been crappy. Like, they have given up so many opportunities that you just think, man, like, what are you doing? And it's and it's in between the years. You, you, you know, Nate Schmidt may go, well, I'm not really sure where to go. But you also have three guys with a cumulative seven pro NHL games on the blue line. That's not going to your help your cause. So you look at it. I, I'll take Saturday and go, Wow, it's nice to have Jordy Ben back in the lineup. No, I never said that at all last year, but when you are looking at the guys and the inexperience they have, Jordy Ben helps the cause. Alex Edler helps the cause. And then you go, hey, Ole Olevi's kind of the only young guy out there. That's great. Hey, purpose or not, he got in front of a Shea Weber shot. Good for him. That's a badge of honor. It's a goal post. Hey, that's not bad. Maybe he's feeling comfortable because it's not all on him like it was last week to have that. So, I think those numbers are really going to be skewered if they're like that, James, in two or three weeks. Yeah, you try and figure something out. But the fact that Hughes is kind of wondering, Petey's off to a terrible slur, Like, who's that on? Is, is that mean Travis Green's not coaching well, Nolan Baumgartner's letting things change? Or is that, is that more on the players? Go, man, you guys aren't as ready as the guys on the other side. Get it going. Get in better shape. Get going. You know, Zach McCune, it- I thought was really good on Saturday. But where's he been for the first four years?
4: Yeah, but if, if Zach McEwen's your best player, that's a problem. No, nope. right? But that's a that's need, a problem.
1: Those team. players need to be noticeable. That's sure, Marcel was noticeable. There's been a lot of missing guys on this team, too many, and that's why they are where they are.
4: But you know, Adam Gaudet. I think there were a lot of people that were kind of talking about, oh, hey, like what I'm seeing from Adam Gaudet, and then he wound up being a healthy scratch on, and and I look the reality. If you go back to the last 16 games, you know, 10 playoff games that Adam Gaudet had had uh, had had partaken in last summer no points, and he's got just the one goal to start this season. Adam Gaudette, who people are looking at, you know, is your third-line center. He's got one point in the last 16 Canuck games that he has partaken in. So uh, here's what Bo Horvat kind of alluded to some of this yesterday here, pair in terms of where this team's at right now. And one of the areas he kind of pointed to was the fact that this team is adjusting to um, the newcomers. You know, there's a lot of other teams that have newcomers on their team, Um and they're having success, case in point, Montreal. But Bo Horvat talked about some of the young players that have joined the squad and some of the off-season acquisitions and saying, hey, look, we're going through a bit of an adjustment period right now. Here's the captain.
5: It's going to take some time for the new guys to get used to the systems and the way we play and, and how we play. Um, so, I mean, you know, they're doing a great job in, in, in trying to learn everything in such a short amount of time. It's just going to... You know, we have to pull them along with us, and um, sometimes that takes time. But we have to figure it out here soon because you know we're uh, we're falling behind, and and we can't be right now.
4: I I appreciate the honesty from Horvat, but does it not feel like it? The, it there's a little bit of a finger pointing. It's like, well, it's kind of Nate Schmidt and Niels Hoaglander and Braden Olpe and Travis Hammond, who just you know they're having a hard time keeping up right now.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's enough new guys to say they're going to change the direction of this team that much, right? You know, that new guy clip could have been coming from the Montreal Canadiens. They legitimately have a lot of new guys, and they haven't had that problem. I thought Nate Schmidt was better on Saturday, but I don't think he's been very good. So he can have a pass considering what they expect from him. It's two guys.
4: It's two guys. Yeah, It's It's number 40, and it's number 43. That's the biggest problem, right? These are your star players who are not playing like All-Stars right now. Petey and Hughes, are they great players? They're great young players, but not right now. And it's killing this team that relies so much on those two.
1: Well, and it was the word that the – and the coach tried to really comfort everybody in his post-game comments on Saturday if he didn't hear. He goes, yeah, I thought that might have been the best game we played, the best 50 minutes we played. So you, you come up with that after on Thursday night when you're, you're spitting and you're upset and you use the word immaturity. Well, if we have to take a multiple choice quiz as to who do you think Travis Green was referring to when he talked a little bit about immaturity? Well, I might guess could be a little bit of what 43's been up to, what 40's been up to, what new number of former 89 wearing 96 and didn't play on Saturday, Adam Godet was up to, who again was a, an extra. Uh, That might be a a little bit of the immaturity deflected towards them, but yeah, it is two guys. But the rest of the guys have to be better too, have to be smarter. But new guys, no. Captain Bo's just going to an old phrase. You got two new guys. One of them's hurt. One of them's in goal and only plays every second game. And I'll tell you what, I thought Holglander was good. You know, they put Holglander out with Sutter in the first period with McCune. I said that line works. Big guys actually hitting somebody. Sutter's defensively responsible, and Holglander's buzzing around there. He has not been the problem. Got him a goal. The problem has been the the young superstars and all the veterans thinking and working a little bit harder. And that's why it's a good thing they get, get on the ice again tonight against Ottawa. Now, James, I only imagine what we're talking about tomorrow if they've just lost to the Ottawa Senators. They have to get it straight and get it straight this week.
4: They do need to t- tighten it up and tighten it up quick, because you've got three games against the Sens here starting tonight. You got Winnipeg Saturday, and then you're on the road against the Habs and the Leafs, and it just gets tighter and tighter with this schedule. Uh, lots to get to. Uh, we'll get to the Super Bowl here just momentarily. Quick thought here on: Hey, we had a blockbuster trade in the NHL over the weekend as well, and it impacts obviously the Gord Downey division, the All Canadian division, as uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois goes to Winnipeg in exchange for Patrick Laine. Uh, Quick thought on this. I'll I'll say I I love the one-two punch that the Jets now have at center. You know, the fact that you were able to afford to cut bait on Patrick Line, and I'm a A fan, but the fact that you now have Shifley and Dubois as your one-two, and you are set in the middle with two guys in their 20s, and you've still got strong wing play with Ehlers and Connor. And Wheeler, I mean, I, this team, I I like this move for the Jets in a big way.
1: I think it works for both. Uh, you know, Columbus makes the trade, and then they go on on Saturday. They beat Tampa Bay. Um, you can't have the issue between Tortorella and Jean-Luc Dubois suck energy out of the room, and it certainly was. Interesting, if you watch Hockey Night in Canada, Ron McClain, who joins us every Friday, uh, with a long interview with Pierre-Luc Dubois, and still... Still kind of avoided why he wanted to leave. Didn't pin it on torts. Said he understood what the coach was going to be about. But he was sulking and it wasn't going to work. So Columbus is better. And to add Patrick Liney, who will be excited and have his finished GM, I, I think that works for Columbus. And James, you're exactly right. You can't be that good down the middle and not improve like the Winnipeg Jets. It's a hockey team that let it go yesterday with the Edmonton Oilers late and let one slip away. But I think a lot of people in Canada even see a lot of Pierre-Luc Dubois because how many people were watching Columbus? You saw him against Toronto. He seemed berated against Toronto, but scored big goals against Toronto in the bubble. I think we will see how talented this guy is. Perfect fit for him with his parents there and his dad with the Moose organization. I don't think like, I'd be curious how many trades we see this year. I don't think we will see many. I think the fix is going to have to come from within organizations, but Nice to see. Fun to see blockbusters. And, you know, Columbus is in on it. And I think both teams win. And unfortunately, it makes things tougher for the Canucks because Winnipeg gets that much better.
4: For sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's okay to to accept the fact that I think it's a win for both teams. Uh, you get a clean slate for two guys who didn't want to be in their respective markets. Obviously, a high ceiling that line has got 50-goal potential. We'll see if it actually comes to light playing with John Tortorella. Uh, a reminder, Kevin BX will join us just after 8 o'clock this morning, and uh, we'll talk to Nataya J. our Monday morning quarterback, at 7.30 this morning as uh, Super Bowl 55 is set. And, man, what a story for the National Football League. The GOAT against the GOAT in training. The Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions, led by Pat Mahomes. And for all the health concerns, there was nothing to be concerned about. Mahomes on fire yesterday, and they'll match up as they head to Tampa to take on the host Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady set to make his 10th Super Bowl start that is incredible pair and I'll say this it was a Jekyll and Hyde performance by Tom Brady but Tom Brady is back in the Super Bowl
1: yeah he's back because of that defense but I mean he made a couple of big throws in the first half that was good enough I don't know you know that was the one thing I looked at the games and you know we we break it down with Furman and, and Steve Rapp and it's just How do you not take Aaron Rodgers? How does that offense stop? They can do anything. And then the one person in North America who believes they can't do anything is their head coach. You take the ball at a guy who's had one of the greatest years ever to say, you know what, we're going to kick a field goal. Like, I cannot believe the stupid coaching decisions that have been made. And so you can talk Brady, you can talk Buffalo, you can talk Packers, but when you're going to talk about Mahomes, talk about the coaching staff, and Andy Reid being calm and understanding it because the Bucks are going to the Super Bowls because their head coaching staff, and that's just not Bruce Arians, that prior and what he's doing um, and, and what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball with Todd Bowles, that staff was better than the Green Bay catch coaching staff and Matt LaFleur because the coaching staff made some stupid decisions and cost the Packers that football game.
4: Well, I mean, Matt Lafleur, for all the buzz that they've that people have had about Matt Lafleur and the job he has done in Green Bay, uh, he's got to wear it. I mean, that all kind of evaporated after yesterday. I, I just, it, just a horrible call to elect to settle for a field goal at that time of the game because if you ultimately fail to deliver on fourth down, Pair, look where you've got the Bucks backed up, right? Yes, you got them backed up like you know to, the the goal line is on their heels. So if you've got them backed up, you're right there. Um, You know, Aaron Rodgers and, man, you know, you talk about the complicated relationship that he's had in Green Bay and how it's, you know, if you want to interpret it, kind of throws his coach under the bus after the game as well. Basically, that wasn't my call. But Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that was a game that I thought he had a lot from a legacy standpoint on the line. He's now 1 in 4 in title games in the NFC Championships. And only once has he ever had to go through a road to face a Brady or a Manning and he failed yesterday at home. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, you know, for all the all that conversation about how great a quarterback he was. We talked about this at length on Friday Pair. A guy who, in the prime of his career, at the same time that Manning and Brady were in their primes, Rodgers was in the discussion as being the best quarterback in football. But when you are one and four in NFC championship games, you cannot be in that same conversation as Peyton Manning and Tom Brady.
1: Uh, a subtle flex graphic that they put up prior to the end of the game when they're going through all the Brady nunch. you know, the, just, just the craziness of 10 Super Bowls. But they also put up a stat. And it was a picture of uh, Brady, it was a picture of Aaron Rodgers, and it was a picture of Drew Brees. You know, all Hall of Famers. And they all had the number one beside as far as winning NFC championships. And that just brought it home that Tom Brady did in one year. What Rodgers has only been able to do once in his career, what Brees has only been able to do once in his career. Um, It does say something to Aaron Rodgers, but... Uh, how you take the ball of his hands and go? You know what we thought it. Uh, we, we we thought we had a chance, and I did see somewhere where that they broke it down, and the odds of them scoring and then scoring again were ten percent. The odds of them going for it and fourth down and scoring and getting the two point conversion was ten percent. I don't buy that. You know, you can break all your analytics down. You got to understand the game and the emotions of the game. You give him the ball now. Aaron Rodgers could own it too, James, because in that third down, I think he gets to the end zone if he wants to run. He I just agree. wasn't yep. thinking. Yeah, Yeah. he just wasn't thinking that way. Matt LaFleur in his post-game press conference just said, hey, do I have regrets guaranteed? Anytime you don't make it, you have regrets. And he said, it's on me. All those guys played, and I wasn't good enough in this game. You can say that, but when are you going to get a chance again? Because uh, they completely blew it, And, and more so not even that call. How do you let the Tampa Bay Bucks with six seconds left throw a 50-yard bomb and get a touchdown <laughs> on the last play of the half. That is completely unacceptable to me. You don't have to rush anybody. That is all on them. And What did they lose by? That touchdown. It just You can't make those mistakes and win football games against someone who knows how to close.
4: Well, you, you had arguably the worst performance ever by a defensive back in Kevin King, right? Just a horrible Ugh. day. And Who
1: still was bouncing up and down when he made the odd play.
4: Mm -hmm. well you're trying to stay into it right and and, you know he steps in and gets called on the on the pass interference call on johnson which was the right call and i know some people were hey with you know in the embellishment but man it was a pretty obvious tug on the jersey here's matt lafleur pair you talked about why they didn't go for it on fourth down here's the packers head coach trying to uh, explain the logic from the department of clarification
3: it was just uh, the circumstances of having three shots and coming away with no yards um and knowing that you not only need the touchdown, but you'd need the two-point. So the way I was looking at it was we essentially had four timeouts
2: with the two-minute warning, and, you know, we, we knew we needed to get a stop, and I thought we were going to have a stop there at the end, but, you know, they, we got
3: called for for the P.I., um, and it didn't work out.
4: <laughs> and you, and now you got six months to kind of wear it and let it digest for, over the next uh, 20 over 2021 but you know pair i guess from a positivity standpoint like let's give some credit here to tom brady and the bucks bucks become the first team in nfl history to play a super bowl in their own stadium brady the oldest player at any position to play in a super bowl tb12 playing in his 10th six wins you know, and, and to think that what they've done in such a short amount of time this year, they didn't have an off season really. There wasn't an all, a lot of time to kind of really build a rapport with Bruce nope. Arians. Not much of a camp. And here we are. And, and hey, They weren't all pretty all that first few months of the season for Tampa. But to bring in so many new players, to get it together, to do it on the road like they've done over the last couple of weeks in New Orleans and Green Bay, Tom Brady, man, he delivers again.
1: Defense was great. I can't see Kansas City losing, but why shouldn't they lose? He's Tom Brady. Somehow, some way, right? Not mobile, doesn't move anywhere, but Tom Brady's now got two weeks. And I think this ends the conversation, as a lot of people on social media were saying yesterday. Now we're really going to find out who was, the, who was the master in New England. Was it Belichick and make miracles with anybody, or did Tom Brady have something to do? And Tom Brady has an effect on winning with any teammate that he has. And he did it again yesterday. You know, he's just right place, right time. But he's done that nine times, and now he's off to Super Bowl number 10 for him. It's incredible.
4: Yeah, at at 43 years of age. uh, I'm with you. I I like the Chiefs, and it's remarkable to see, like for everything that Tom Brady's done, look at what Pat Mahomes has done in three seasons as a starter, right? I mean, got to the AFC Championship, and just because he didn't have the ball last, they come up short, in his first foray in the AFC Championship. Super Bowl bound last year, Super Bowl bound again. I mean, with what we're seeing from Pat Mahomes, here's a guy, you know, turf toe, concussion, he throws for yeah. 325, right? And all he did was look at his two big guns. When you think of the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all day, all day against a great Buffalo team that had won 11 of their last 12, the only lost pair, came to a Hail Mary at the hands of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, and the Bills had absolutely nothing, nothing to show for against the Chiefs yesterday. How after a quick start, I mean, Kansas City got up. They said, oh, we got a little punch in the mouth here. Let's go. And they demolished a really good Bills team. It's almost like,
1: I, you know, I watched so much Kansas City Chiefs football this year. It's almost like they were interested enough to what do we have to do to win, and then that's it. They had some massive, and, and it was against Brady. They had a massive first half against them. And then they just, you cruised to it. You know, we talked about the spread. They were terrible against the spread because they would everybody, let everybody come back in in the final 10 minutes. Yesterday was, here we go. Okay, we just spotted them nine. Okay, and any time, you just knew Buffalo better score because as soon as they get the ball back, they're going to. And they did it with running plays. They did it with Hill. They had Travis Kelsey going And he just looks like he's playing playground football. I don't see how that changes in two weeks. And it's two weeks away, which means, James, only two more weeks do we have to see every commercial for blinding lights and the weekend playing the Super Bowl halftime, if you don't know. But, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's a great matchup, right? Passing of the torch is what they'll say, but it's still Tom Brady. It's still that opportunity. And Tampa Bay gets to be the city of champions in the worst possible year for sports to have the greatest teams in your own city and not be able to attend.
4: Oh, you got the Rays, you got the Lightning, and now the Bucks. Uh, in ta- man, Tampa, the new title town. Uh, all right, 27 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Monday morning. He's Perry Sokowski. I'm James Cebulski. Coming up in a minute, well, fire Benning was trending again here in Vancouver over the weekend, but I'm going to tell you why it doesn't make sense to fire the Canucks GM, at least not yet. We'll get into that next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
0: You know, I was like take this opportunity Myself, Seaball says on Sportsnet 650.
4: Fire Benning trending again Saturday night after that loss to the Habs. And the fact that Jim Benning could actually lose his job as a result of the same players that got him an extension would be what's the word I'm looking for? Hey. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, ironic. Fire Benning, as I mentioned, trending again, and Vancouver's fifth loss in their last six games when they fell to the Habs on Saturday night. The Canucks are reeling right now, and anything that has gone wrong or anything that could go wrong has. It is a total worst-case scenario situation. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pet's head are falling off. The big problem right now is Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. They just aren't playing like all stars right now. Petey finally scored on his first on a deflection, but he's a shell of himself at the moment. And Hughes just seems out of sport, out of sorts. Right? I mean, big minutes, but big turnovers with it. Quinn Hughes, nine minutes
0: into this period, so lots of time left at two-two. There's a turnover. Back in comes Tatar. Quick shot, score.
4: Yeah, it hasn't helped matters that over the last five games, three players that the club let walk demolished the Canucks. After Markstrom and Tan have proved their worth in the Flames' two wins over Vancouver, Tyler Toffoli scored five in three games and could have easily had more. Petrie with room, wrist shot it's tipped in. It's a hat trick for Tyler Toffoli. You throw in the fact that the club couldn't afford those guys because a quarter of the team's payroll is tied up in players that are either not playing or stuck on the fourth line, and it's a bad look. The replacements haven't been dynamite either. But firing Benning seven games into the season makes no sense. What's the solution? Say the club punts Benning. Does a replacement come in and change things right away? The new GM would wait and likely shake things up when roughly $20 million comes off the books in the summer. And then in about 17 months, you're officially free of Erickson's Albatross deal along with Beagle and Roussel. Financial relief is on the way, but there's no quick fix. And here's the other thing. Do you really believe that Francesco Aquilini wants to pay for two GMs right now? I think we've already learned that money is tight. Benning's biggest wins are his biggest problem right now the franchise players aren't playing like it
5: we got a lot of things to work on i need to be better um need to play better defense
4: if it continues it'll be a nightmare season for a team that has real expectations for the first time in eight years the canucks actually might need a closer in management to replace benning at some point but after giving him an entire offseason to sort out the roster, punting the boss less than 10 games into the season will not fix anything in the short term. The only fix right now will have to come from within. But if by midseason this team isn't turned around and someone is out there that you believe in, I think it's fair. We're coming up on seven years on Jim Benning. The retool didn't work. The rebuild is finally promising, but the question is, do you trust it? A step back this uh, this season wasn't inconceivable for the Canucks, but it seems like a step backwards is unacceptable. The only GM to serve here longer is Pat Quinn, and it feels like right now we've reached Benning's sink-or-swim moment with the Vancouver Canucks, and that's this morning. Seaball Says. I think any GM, and or coach for
1: that matter, it's a pretty good scenario to come in when the team's at rock bottom and you're given the phrase, we're going to rebuild. All right, let's see how we're going to rebuild, because that buys you usually two or three years, and if you can show some progress, that's going to get you your extension. Jim Benning has been here for a long time. If this team wins a Stanley Cup, I'm not so sure Jim Benning is the guy. Normally it doesn't work that way. You are thanking everybody. Steve Eiserman's hands were all over the Tampa Bay Lightning winning a Stanley Cup. He wasn't part of the organization when they did it uh, in September. My question is, James, is this. How do you look at a 56-game schedule when you're playing teams 10 times and say, this is a fair assessment of where this team is? That, to me, will be the biggest struggle for the Aquilinis in making a decision. And make no mistake, they are fans first. They say it all the time. And being a fan of this team, and watching what happened in Calgary and then Montreal coming here, you're going, oh, damn, are you kidding me? Could have used TANF. Look how messed up we are on the blue line. Markstrom, I think they realize $36 million over the next six years. They will probably at some point go, yeah, I'm glad we didn't go there with them. But I don't think it's on Jim Benning. I don't think now, yes, trended all you want. I can't see too many teams in the NHL making any big coaching and or GM decisions in the next month. Going, we've got to let these teams get together. We got to let our plays get going because this has been strange. This is nothing we know of. I don't think the sample size that you see in the first three works, three weeks is anything that should give alarm that you gotta make a change now. Because to your point, you said it in your C ball says, You change, who's doing what? You're not making any trades. You're just riding and watching from a press box as a GM and then you're working on the summer. That may be the one thing. Maybe they're not comfortable with Jim negotiating deals and how this team's going to get it done because it's a massive summer with Hughes and Pedersen, PD-changing agents we find out on the weekend. But I think Jim Benning should be here for this year, Travis Green this year, and now the, the rope becomes very, very short next year because the expectations are as high as they can be.
4: I think you have to look at Benning's situation with the, the salary construction for this roster that you've got a quarter of your salary tied up into guys that either aren't playing right now or guys that are playing on the fourth line like pair that's that's a tough look right now when you've had a week that those three guys markstrom tanev and Toffoli, just t- and they all wanted to stay right they all wanted to stay but the money wasn't there now, would I have been so more palatable? But, yeah. Like, was the well, money out there? Yeah, the ownership I, 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 I mean, of look, money. man, I think, yeah, I think he has to wear that, right? Like, that's like, who was the guy who signed off on those contracts? He was the guy who wanted to bring him here, right? It's not like that, you know. It's not like it was somebody else who made that call to say, "Hey, look, we'd like for you to come here, and we'd like for you to be on this team." You know, Sven Berchi for three years, at three million, dude. When that contract was signed, I immediately thought, "Man, this feels like this is going to be a problem." Voila! You know, Louis Erickson, I mean I'm 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 gonna guess that there was a mandate to sign somebody and try to keep the good times rolling here with the good ship Canucks. And unfortunately it's been an unmitigated disaster. You know, Roussel, Beagle, I get you want it to be harder to play against, but man, what has Antoine Roussel offered? Right? I mean that's that's been a bad signing right now, I think, through the first couple of seasons of that contract and, you know, Bertie and the minors. I, I, like, when you've got a quarter of your payroll going to guys that are, are not contributing at all or to a very minimal degree, and you realize that Tyler Toffoli signed a four-year, $4 million contract, man, that's a tough look. That's a tough look for a big hole in your top six right now. Well, but we're, we're judging it
1: off seven games, uh, which I don't think is a big enough sample size. If we were to judge it off the first game, we have people texting in, and the Dunbar-Lumbar text line is uh, is uh, hopping right now with with different suggestions as to what the deal is. Keep the conversation going. But you would have suggested after sixty minutes, what a great move! Hoglander is playing top six minutes. Benning suggested that that was always the game plan: where we're going to give the kid a chance. He scores in his first game. Tyler defoli has got sixteen million over the next four. Hoglanders on entry level salary. Great move by by Jim Benning. Jim Benning getting fired in the next two weeks is not changing. Tyler Myers jumping the zone. Quinn Hughes being a lackadaisical. Uh, that's not doing anything, right? It's, it's Right now, it's all on the players. To me, it is all on the players. Yeah, you made some mistakes, Jim Benning, but you hit some home runs. I'm not saying he's here for the long term. I'm just saying right now, that's a knee-jerk reaction that does nothing to this team.
4: I don't think it does anything. I'm with you on that. Nothing gets solved for the now. Right, But if you're at a quarter mark of the season and this team is still scuffling the way they are, and that's 10 days from now, we're going to be at the quarter pole of the season. I mean, if you're, not, if you're not happy with where things are at, I mean, you've had seven years now with Jim Benning, right? That's a pretty good sample size as a general manager. Do you want to go in a different direction? If this team's continuing to go backwards, I, man, I said this for months, this team might go back. The Avs did it with the young kids. The Oilers did it with the young kids. This might be a step back this year. It just seems like it may not be acceptable based on, man, the winds of change have been blowing around around Rogers' arena and there were a lot of whispers going through the building on Saturday night after that loss, and it sounds like, for all intents and purposes, this week is a critical week for the Vancouver Canucks as they try to take care of business against the Ottawa Senators team that has lost every game since opening night when they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. All right, 643. Uh, we'll talk to Kyle Bukoskas and look ahead to the Senators and the Canucks game day, Kyle from Hockey Night in Canada. But in a moment, pair. there's no BS here. We don't play any BS here.
1: Ah, uh, nothing but P.S., although there's something in here. Man, I wish it was a whole bunch of B.S. We'll tell you what's going on. Connor McGregor on the weekend, and who wants oh. him? And talk about a pay cut. We'll give you the details. That's it. 6.43 on a Monday game day on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. You got on Sportsnet 650.
0: He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers? I want the truth. It's not BS, just P.S. with Perry Solkowski.
1: 6.49 on a Monday morning. Uh, This is P.S., not B.S. Best quarterback in the red zone all year. Having a season to remember and you took it out of his hands you know what that is
4: bs aaron did you agree with
5: the decision to kick it there on fourth down well i didn't have a decision on that one um, yeah that wasn't my decision but i understand the thinking above two minutes with uh, all of our timeouts but yeah that wasn't my decision
1: Uh, Aaron do you agree with the decision on draft day not to draft anyone to help you but a quarterback to play for this team in about three years time Aaron do you think Chase Claypool might have been able to help you if this organization would have decided to do something that is BS that is why Aaron Rodgers was kind of him and Han no respect from draft day and it killed them people
4: pair he's got the best receiver in the game and if he's not the best receiver in the game, he's got one of the top three receivers in the game, Devontae Adams, right? Like, there, there's a complicated relationship with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. You know, the relationship with Mike McCarthy, who ultimately steered him to a Super Bowl, you know, had a disconnect with his family. I mean, how many times have we seen the, you know, the, the public mudslinging with his family? Like, at what point do we want to start looking at A-Rod? Like, I, Aaron Rodgers wasn't perfect yesterday right he's nope. 1 and 4 he's 1 and 4 in NFC championship games i understand where you're kind of going with this one but i mean there he essentially just threw his coach under the bus after the game like is that a team guy and now the conversation starts again about his future in green bay like i've watched that guy rip my chicago bears apart for years but there's something that disconnects with Aaron Rodgers when it comes to games that matter 1 and 4 in NFC title games
1: Organization drafting and quarterback didn't help the cause, put him in a bad mood, but he played through it. Uh, this is P.S. Brady got the job done yesterday and then took advantage of the sparse crowd for a nice family moment.
0: Should I say my son?
1: Yeah, Brady reaches out, his son Jack comes down that's from his, his former partner actress Bridget Monahan that's not the Giselle's son there uh nice moment for Brady price of tickets in Tampa Bay the lowest single ticket was nine grand the highest yesterday was 26 grand James after Brady won they went up about two thousand dollars before we even knew Kansas City was in and that's the factor that Brady has on a Super Bowl team.
4: Saw somebody talking on social media yesterday that there was a pair of tickets for like $60,000, right? You're already limiting attendance. Um, and now you got the home team there. I just, man, was it me? Like, did you not think it looked like there were a lot of fans at Lambeau yesterday?
1: Uh, here's the crazy thing watching both those games, fair number of fans at Lambeau with the chairs. So I was thinking, wrestling like you. A lot of fans in Kansas City. It was so American. So they allow the fans in. But they had the anthems on tape. <laughs> like, they're so worried. Oh, my like God. Like, you let people in, you could probably have the national anthem singers in there somewhere. Didn't happen. Uh, P.S. <laughs> Man, uh, Connor McGregor. He's actually a gracious loser. This is him greeting Gustin Foyer after the fight on Saturday night. Your coach is right. I, I I can't forget, but I can forgive myself, yeah. you know, and I have I'm, I'm honored to share yeah.
0: you off the updone, but I, we will do it again. I like good yes. man. Thank yep. you so yeah. much safe and, safe and enjoy everything. We're oh, the best of you thank and you family. And, thank and you. you. One and of you. the
1: way.
6: And you thank you so much. Totally. totally. Good woman. Thank you.
1: Gracious way to Connor to lose, but you know what happened? As soon as he lost, YouTube star Jake Paul, who wanted to fight him for 50 mil. Well, he quickly went to it. Two million people viewing this video.
0: Hey, hey, Connor. it! Hey, hey, got it! I got ten thousand
5: dollars for you. Cash! Cash, baby. <laughs> Cash money. Oh, you had fifty million dollars.
1: Uh, you know, James, I've never been a Conor McGregor fan, and Jake Paul, I'm not sure about. But after seeing that, I go, that'd be fun if Conor McGregor said, "Yeah, I'll jump in. I'll jump in with you, kid," and just knock the crap out of him.
4: Money talks. I mean, McGregor has suggested he wants to fight, what, seven times in about 18 months, which seems incredibly unsustainable considering it took a year for him to fight uh, from last January to this. I'll tell you what, to me, what's next for Conor McGregor? How about Nate Diaz? Trilogy fight there, pair. They each got a win under each other's belt. I think Conor needs a win. I think he also needs Nate Diaz to kind of put the shine back on a fight that I think everybody would jump on board to see.
1: Hey, listen, he admitted he got beat,
4: and he said, you just oh, can't did stay the octagon that much. Did and, you and see win. that you knockout? Like, yeah. that knockout, he got his ass like, man, like, that was as decisive a knockout. Man, Poirier took him to town.
1: But Connor said he should have. It's almost like, hey, he's a good fighter. I haven't been fighting. You can't come into this octagon and be as sharp as I hoped I would be. He goes, I trained hard enough, couldn't get it done. And he also said, listen, I'm going home to my family. Normally, this would really piss me off. It doesn't. And he's coming to grips with his new reality as to how he does it. And I don't mind this side of Conor McGregor not needing to be the sideshow before he jumps into the octagon. That's it. No BS, just PS on this Monday morning.
4: It is uh, 6.54 here on this Monday morning, and it is game day in the city. The Ottawa Senators roll into town for the first of three games this week here, and we got you covered on Sportsnet 650. Kyle Bukaskas, who covers the Senators here for Hockey Night in Canada, and Sportsnet will drop by and join the conversation. 6.50, 6.50, the Dunbar-Lumber text line. A lot of you jumping in on uh, the future of Jim Benning and where this team's at right now. We'll dive in. It's game day, Canucks and Senators, and we got you covered right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
0: Let's get it going. It's time to get up. The game
1: is over as the Canucks drop 2 of 3 games against the Montreal Canadiens.
3: Frustrating for sure. I mean, we battled back, we scored two quick goals, we we'll have momentum and then and they scored a quick one of us on us um, so of course it's frustrating.
0: These guys are here to break it all down. Brady goes for the deep shot. He's got a touchdown, oh! Scotty Miller. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. They give you guys three hours in a row to talk. This is the starting lineup with James Savolsky and Perry Solkowski.
4: Hey, it's 7 o'clock. What's going on? So glad you could join us. It is game day in the city, 12 hours from puck drop as the Canucks Welcome the Ottawa Senators for a three-game series. Another three in four nights. James Cebulski, Perry Solkowski will catch up with Kyle Bukoskis in a few minutes from Hockey Night in Canada and look ahead to what the Senators bring into town after a tumultuous week for the Vancouver Canucks. They'll try to get back to their winning ways uh, in a favorable matchup in theory against an Ottawa Senators team that was picked pretty much by everybody, pair to be the bottom feeder of the All-Canadian, the Gord Downey division, if you will, and the Senators, after a promising opening night, have pretty much done what everybody expected them to do, and that's lose. Uh, They've lost four straight since that opening night win, the latest coming on Saturday night, falling 6-3 to Winnipeg.
1: Yeah, and it's not like it's been easy, though. I mean, they've they've been in on a lot of games. That's a young hockey team. You get them traveling, and, and I don't think you ever want to be in a position where you look and the Sens are coming to town and the Canucks and the fan base are going, well, if we can sweep this. NHL teams to win three in a row. I've said, James, and it proved again last night, take teams that lose the first game because there's just that much more determination to bounce back. thought Montreal would certainly bounce back after losing. You saw the, the LA Kings beating St. Louis last night. Teams that lose seem to bounce back. It's good it's Ottawa, not Montreal. And I think some of the problems last week were exasperated because they were playing such a sound hockey team in the Montreal Canadiens. But, all right, you had a day to practice. They needed it. Players were saying, man, we needed just more touches with each other. You can't go out there and get a feel for your playing partners and your line mates when it's, you know, you can't make mistakes. And they have. They made incredible mistakes last week. I think even though they lost Saturday, they probably played the best game of three against the Montreal Canadiens and take that, build off it, eliminate some of the stupid decisions they've made by veteran players.
4: But it's not necessarily vet, veteran players, right? It's it's the young guys. It's the guys that everybody's buying the jerseys of right now. It's Petey and Hughes, that, whether it's a case of trying to do Myers too much. And Miller. But yeah, but you look at – well, but look at, look at Pettersson right now, right? I mean, standing there at one point with the puck, and he just straight up falls in his own end. And Hughes with a terrible giveaway. You know, Brian Burke hit on this on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night in terms of where the Canucks are at right now. And, you know, I think we we listen. If anybody who joins us here weekly listens to Brian Burke, you know, I think it's fair to say that Brian is a Jim Benning guy. But listen to what Berkey had to say on Saturday night.
5: Jim Benning's under tremendous pressure. His team is top-heavy, and so when one player struggles, it's really noticeable. Right now it's it's uh, Pedersen, and when one of their top guys struggles, it's really noticeable. They're in cap hell. They've got $6 million in dead money. They've
1: got Louis Erickson's contract. And so right now, to fix this problem, they're really handcuffed. And so the pressure on Jim Benning, it's, it's always there when you're a GM. You feel the pressure constantly, but that's a tough market to be struggling in, and right now they're scuffling big time.
4: So there's Brian Burke, and man, he can speak to the heat uh, when things are going sideways here in this market. But at the same time, I think Brian nailed it, right? I mean, this is a roster that has its flaws in terms of how it's built. And look, if Petey and Hughes aren't clicking on all cylinders, it's very noticeable with this franchise on the ice pair.
1: Well, and I know some people in Fire Jim Benning was, bending was trending on Saturday. Berkey said there, he's in a tough situation to fix it. I think Jim Benning did a nice job of moving things around in the summer. I think it started poorly with free agency, but he wasn't going to be able to pay that money to Jacob Markstrom. Tyler Toffoli did hurt, and it hurt more last week than ever. But to all of a sudden fire a Nate Schmidt, go that works. To make sure you can find a Travis Hamanick, which we haven't seen the best of. A guy hadn't played hockey for a year. So, yeah, Berkey said I think the word he used was scuffling. Jim Benning's scuffling because Jim Benning's going, I really don't have a whole bunch of moves I can make. I trusted that I gave you guys enough help, and now you're not proving that you were playing as you did in August. All he can do is almost like a fan base and like the ownership. Watch and go, Petey, what are you doing falling at the blue line? Myzie, what are you doing pinching in there? Quinn, you know, let's play a little defense first. Like, you've put your chips out there, said, Travis, see what you can do with these guys. Travis uses the word Thursday of immaturity. Yeah, okay, everybody be better on the ice. I don't think this hockey team is as poor as it started. They'll be better, and it has to start tonight. But, I don't. I, you know, I think you'd use Berkey's clip for a lot of situations when a GM doesn't have don't have any moves, right? Mark Bergevin, what would he do if the Montreal Canadiens weren't in sync right now? He's in trouble. What's he going to do? Everybody's top-heavy. Everybody's at the cap. You're not going to see a lot of moves, James, this season. You are what you are. I hope your team can play.
4: You know, I don't know if you can say that everybody's top heavy, right? There are some rosters that are pretty balanced. I mean, you can get scoring from different parts. I would say, look at the Habs, right? I don't know if they have one clear-cut alpha, although Nick Suzuki certainly is heading in that direction. Man, he might be, you know, he might be Patrice Bergeron version 2.0, you know. Kid's got tree trunks for legs, <laughs> 210 pounds, small, compact, and powerful, right? And just plays a big game and scored a difference maker again on Saturday night. But, you know, Tyler Toffoli's playing on a third line right now, Pair Like, mm-hmm. you're getting scoring. Like, they got scoring throughout the lineup on over the three games against the Canucks. I mean, when the Canucks score, and I think the, the playoffs were a perfect example of that, right? Like, the big dogs did it, right? Petey was up over a point a game you know got Quinn Hughes putting up some big numbers they were great Tyler Tyler Mott's chipping in right offensively sure but, outside, but, had outside, some good but 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 they who do you but everybody. who do you trust but who do you trust in the bottom six like if, if if you go if you go with your 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 third and fourth lines okay you know Tyler Mott you like his jump you like his tenacity but you know what what do you really expect offensively from guys like Adam Godet? for all the talk that people talk you know rave about his offensive upside in the last 16 games he's played as a Vancouver Canuck, going back to last season, he's got one point, right? Like, you know, it's it's all on the big, it's all on the kids. It's all on the big guns. And if they're not firing, this team feels it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like the line, you know, and Brendan Baxter tweeting the lines yesterday were back to how they started. I like the look of it. You and I were both at the game on Saturday. I like the look. And I'm an Adam Gaudet fan, but he hasn't done anything to deserve to stay in there. I like the look. He had Sutter with a Hoaglander and a Zach McEwen who showed some energy and showed some energy in the postseason and that drive to the postseason. I, it's it's easy to point it at the big ducks because they have to score. But I think the balance on this team has been the balance has been no one's performed very well with the exception of the captain on a regular basis. We'll see if they can turn it around. I think the practice yes, necessary yesterday took full advantage of that. but But, you know, this is a hockey team that didn't just disappear unless they were a fraud in the bubble. I think they'll they'll get back and bounce back. They're not gonna win the North Division, but I think this is a team like we would have said last year. They're gonna be battling for a playoff spot. And in this Canadian North Division, uh that means you belong with the Winnipegs and maybe the Calgary's and go, that's where you are. Your competition is tougher than it would have been in a regular season.
4: Well, I think the biggest question going into tonight's game, um, you know, as the Senators roll in, is you know, will there be a video tribute for Eric Goodbranson who rolls in with the Ottawa Senators? A minus five, by the way, uh, so far to start the year. Kyle Bukoskis from Hockey Night in Canada joins us bright and early this morning to uh, check in on where the Senators are at. Uh, Kyle, how are you, man? How's Campbell River? (laughs) You know what?
2: It uh, it got a good dump in the
4: snow yesterday, so my father this past
2: fall invested in a snowblower as he's, you know, still (laughs) kicking and doing great for his age. He does feel that, you know, just a little bit of a break on his back during the wintertime so he finally got to break it in yesterday so it was a a big day in the Bukoskis household. Money
4: well spent.
2: Wow. Yes, exactly. He'd been waiting, waiting, waiting all winter (laughs) so finally late January he got to break it in.
1: That's good stuff. Uh, Where do you sit? Do you think that's what we're watching in Vancouver, Kyle? A hockey team that's still trying to break it in?
2: Yeah. I would say that's that's fair. I mean, you know, you guys have have watched them well far closely than I have to the first uh, 11 12 days of of the season here, but um you know, watching the game on on Saturday against Montreal like it's just a yeah, a team that's still just trying to to fight through some some early season rust. Like there's no question the the frustration is there and and when it doesn't go their way early, um those thoughts seem to to seep into their game pretty quick you know you saw you know i mean Petterson got one which was good but you saw the frustration from him from quinn hughes and, and you go down the the lineup from there um you know i think this week you've got three games in a row the two teams that have been scuffling the, the past week in this north division between ottawa and, and vancouver so um i think one one of these teams will will be the cure for for the other and we'll we'll see who it ends up being here uh, after these three games are through
4: so let's let's dive in about from the Senators and what they bring into this one. Uh, I, I think you look at the way that this roster. I mean, you talk about an overhaul in the off season. You know, kind of got everybody excited, thinking this team's going to be plucky. They they beat the Leafs opening night, and I guess maybe more of a market correction. What we've seen the last four consecutive losses here. What uh, give me a sense of your assessment of the Sens so far?
2: Yeah, I think, again, it's a team that's still very much a, a work in progress, right? Like, it seemed like they had a great start to the year against Toronto, and then Toronto adjusted and, and were clearly the better team in the, the rematch. You know, they had, had their, their chance to close out Winnipeg in their first meeting this past week. They get up the goal late, losing overtime, and were completely blown out on Thursday. Had the lead entering the third period again on Saturday. And things, you know, got away from them. I, I think, you know, this is a team that um, is still trying to figure out what lineup is is best suited for them. Um, because of that, you've you've had some some young players that you know, I don't think have have gotten, you know, the, as as much of an opportunity as as. Um, they maybe would have liked it at this point and and maybe there's a bit of shift in in thinking from the coaching staff here this week uh, against Vancouver I mean part of the fact too is that you know Tim Stutzler has been out for the past three games Um, it looks possible that that he gets in here tonight he seemed close to maybe returning to the lineup on Saturday but they weren't quite ready to put him in yet so maybe an extra couple of games uh, gets him ready and and healthy and 100% again but um, you know, it's, it's a team that, again, there's a reason why going into the year not a lot of people gave them um, much hope. Certainly there's, there's going to be a lot of nights this year where, where they're going to be a, a very difficult out. Um, but in terms of you know how many wins that will ultimately translate to, I, I think we're, we're being reminded here early on that this is a team that though there is some, some positives, they're moving in the right direction, there's still quite a few notches behind the rest of the teams in this Canadian division.
1: Kyle, which brings to the point that a lot of teams who they can't match up on paper talent-wise, coaches and managers go, you know what, let's make sure of one thing, they can't outwork us. You mentioned the Sens have been in games right into the third period. Has there been any complaint with the desire and the effort that these guys have been putting in every night?
2: Well, you know, it's, it's funny, and there's been a lot of talk the last week here in, in this market about um, you know, it's kind of the, the chicken and the egg thing. Like, do you give your young players an opportunity to, to go out and, and prove their worth and, and give them some minutes? Um, or do you, you keep the, the leash really short? And any time there is a mistake, you, you yank come back and uh, and hold them off from, from those types of situations. You know, so Tuesday night in Winnipeg, they had a 3-1 lead. Then it became 3-2. And uh, late in the third period, they gave up the tying goal and they end up losing in overtime. And D.J. Smith said after that game, you know, we made a lot of young mistakes there at the end, trying to score again rather than worrying about defending. And you look at that game back when, when things really got tight and they ultimately gave up that tying goal late in the period after Winnipeg had pulled their goaltender, the guys they had out on the ice were the, the veteran "Quote unquote guys that I think someone like DJ Smith would want out there, and your Connor Browns and Cedric Podcats and Chris Tierneys, and your big bodies on the back end. Like there wasn't, it wasn't like it was Drake Batterson and, and Josh Norris running around out there trying to defend a lead in, in the last few minutes. Um, and then you've got, you know, a situation like Saturday night, the four unanswered goals in the third period. You look at uh, the first one, you know, Artem Anisov makes a listless one-handed stick check." Um, I think it was Paul Stastny that was cutting to the middle there, and a few seconds later, it's in the back of their net. The game's tied. Uh, Derek Stepan, for the second time already this year, makes an ill time puck over glass penalty. Now it's good on him for taking full ownership at, after the game and saying that that one was on him. But he end up giving up a power play goal there. And now you're down a goal and then a few minutes later after that, Artem Anisimov again makes just a, a, a real tough turnover in the neutral zone. Winnipeg goes back down the other way, and you've got Andrew Kopp getting three, four whacks in front of the net with three guys just kind of standing around not doing much, and then the game is out of reach from there and an empty netter, and, and that's all she wrote. So, um, you know, certainly there's there's some young players that are going to be going some thing, through some things this year, but you've got some older guys that have, have made some mistakes too. I, I think... You know, the effort's going to be there for this team, but um, it's kind of got to be a two-way street, right? If, if you've got some guys that the coaching staff saw as the start of the year as, as players they could rely upon, you know, when they're making mistakes, I think you, you've you got to adjust accordingly, too, and maybe give some younger players the, the chance. And someone like Colin White certainly comes to mind. who's only played two of the first five games. And I'm wondering if, if someone like him will make it a better opportunity and a, a bigger role here uh, this week against the Canucks.
4: Kyle, before we wrap up, uh, Tim Stutzla obviously uh, brings a lot of hope to the franchise, but uh, placed on IR over the weekend. It sounds like it's more of a day-to-day thing. Is what's the likelihood of him getting back into the lineup soon?
2: Yeah, I would say pretty good at this point. I mean, the team had the day off yesterday, so we'll see when when they get on the ice. So this morning they're in Vancouver. What what the lines ultimately look like, but. Uh, I mean, he skated. He was a full participant in practice this past Friday, skated again in Winnipeg. And when they did put him on IR, it was retroactive to the last game he played against Toronto over a week ago. So he is eligible to, to play the night if, if they deem he's, he's healthy. And it was an injury that actually if he sustained it at the World Juniors and it just kind of been nagging him more and more the last few days. So um, clearly this is just obviously a young player that they want to be ultra-cautious with, that has uh, such a bright future for the organization. They want to make sure everything is 100 percent. In, in that regard, so um, you would think that the, the extra few days here off the ice for, for him and away from game action is, is enough, and um, for the Senators, they're certainly hoping that's the case because it just feels like there's there's a much different vibe, a much better feeling around the group when, when he's in, in the lineup, even though he's only 19 years old. I mean, he, he brings that much to a, a team that, that needs it right now.
1: Kyle, thank you for this. I appreciate you uh, getting up early for us uh, and look forward to it. Uh, I don't think there's any easy nights in the NHL and for those in the North Division, think, oh, good, Ottawa's coming to town. Uh, we should be in for a battle this week at Rogers Arena. Appreciate
2: it, my friend. Yeah, look, you bet. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me.
4: Kyle Bokoski's hockey it in Canada, and the pride and joy of Campbell River over on the island that took a dumping of snow. I was man, I gotta tell you, pair. I was hoping for a little snow this weekend. We didn't get. I saw you got blasted. We didn't get anything here in South Delta. But I guess it sounds like there's whispers uh, in the area all week. And Sonya Aslam from News 1130 just down the hall. Joins us to, to let us know, when do we get more hockey weather? When do we get some snow around here?
7: We probably won't. <laughs> oh,
4: thanks. No,
7: I know. I, you know what? I'm okay that it didn't snow last night because it is such a pain to drive in sometimes, especially in this region. When we get like a centimeter, people start freaking out and just careen into six other lanes. Um, we're supposed to get whispers of it, quote unquote, today. Whispers. Whispers whisper. of it. A, whis- whisper. a whisper of snow today it's and whisper. then tomorrow. But then apparently Wednesday, it's sun during the day. But at night, there's supposed to be more flurries. Sonia, it's snowing. <laughs> Isn't that that uh, Calvin Klein obsession ad? Obsession? obsession. Snow. snow. <laughs> Isn't there, is
1: there a song where they go, sounds like a whisper? Oh, Tracy Chapman. Tracy Chapman. If you go old school, Tracy Chapman.
7: Perry, uh, what else is reference. going on,
1: uh, Sonia? What's going on in the world of the news? Weather-wise, snow came yesterday, disappeared, appeared. What else is happening? Did you get on a big Monday dumping morning?
7: of snow? Were you like, oh my gosh? Yeah,
1: no, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I, that was exactly it. I just, I, I don't pay attention a lot to the weather, and I woke up Sunday morning, and the plan was to go do a little bit of a hike, which we continued with. But it was, are you kidding me? Yeah, no, it was snow shovel stuff.
7: Oh, yeah, hmm. it
1: stuck, but it's all gone because it started raining yesterday afternoon. So it's gone yeah. on the roads a little bit in the backyard though.
7: Yeah. So well, plus you're so high up in your lavish home in Port Moody, so. In my,
1: in my tent, yeah, once you get past a certain stop sign, all of a sudden that rain turns into snow. It's a yurt. So it's, it's a
4: yurt. Come it's, on, a yurt. Don't
7: it's a so. yurt. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a yurt. Yes.
7: Uh, that's too funny. Uh, no, news-wise, today marks uh, exactly one year since we've had our first COVID case in Canada. So since then, we've had 700,000 wow. cases, 19,000 deaths and uh there's some issues obviously MPs are back uh back to work in Ottawa and there's going to be a lot of questions for the Trudeau government about how they're handling the vaccine rollout uh we are not getting any Pfizer vaccines this week because of what's happening at their manufacturing plant uh in Europe so there's a de- there's a delay for us for about 4 weeks we won't get any this week we should start getting some more next week and then so forth um so there's uh some concerns there but Pfizer does promise that oh, will you'll get all the vaccines you need by March, so we'll see. But
4: yeah. Also, uh seeing uh, this morning that uh, Canada Post has announced uh, delays. Is what 350 workers are reportedly in yep. self isolation in southern Ontario. So a good time to play the checks in the mail excuse. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if the Canucks have an excuse to play it all, though, Aslam. I mean, what do you what what are you oh, making of this?
7: God. Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to begin. To me, and I said this to you guys off the air, they they look like a broken team. You just like it's not it's not even that there's no one gelling, it's just what am I watching and why am I watching this? It is incredibly frustrating. I can't imagine every Canucks fan doesn't feel exactly how I feel. It's just such like that third goal, the game-winning goal on Saturday was an embarrassing goal. You know, and see, while you asked me a couple months ago on the air, what's my greatest concern for the season? And I think I said very clearly, goaltending, because giving up Marky was a huge mistake. Losing him was a big mistake. Money or no money. It was just, what are you thinking? What are you doing? And it happened, and now we're watching the consequences. Not having friend makes a really big difference. Demko is not good enough to even, I don't know, in some cases, in my opinion, be on the bench half the time. And Holpe is not there, obviously. And I know that up front, no one's helping, no one's scoring. I get it. I don't know what's going on with you know, um, EP forty. I don't know what that is. And I saw Elia Freeman saying he's changing agents, but that shouldn't affect what's happening on the ice. Hopefully, um, no. It's just I, I don't I don't know where they go from here. You have to find a way to turn it around. Otherwise, uh, we're not going to make the playoffs. Like it's so. Gosh, you're it's all so
1: doom easy. and gloom.
7: Like I'm is not, there anything oh, stunning
1: in your world? You are doom and gloom. Oh, you're I'm the sorry, Perry. Do you Canucks want to find man. something
7: positive from the Canucks right now? Go, go, please, please, I insist. Go find something really okay, positive about are you about going to join us
1: tomorrow? Yeah, I am. Okay, well, let's see if you can, you can just, if you say all this again tomorrow. Or if you are the typical person that just because they played poorly against a really good team and it's, it's been two weeks in, you're like everybody voting and going, this is terrible, this is terrible, they're terrible, the goaltending's terrible, everything's wrong man it's
7: two weeks in are you impressed with hopey keep in mind though it's two weeks in in a shortened season we don't really have a lot of time to screw up and i'm the same person who did say not to panic and it's not that i'm panicking i think we're just a little bit past that it's just what is happening it's it's one thing if you lose but you're playing well we're not even doing that
1: if you ever get married and you get into the first fight with your spouse you're gonna get divorced the next week this has been terrible didn't sign up for this we're fighting Man, but pair how long p- but, pair, bad, how, but, pair,
4: but pair how long do you how long do you ride this out like are, are nah. you like in in a week from now are you still able to say give it time it's a quarter of the season in
1: Yeah uh, I, I would need two more weeks You have to play you've played 7 games if you've played 15 games and you don't see any changes you don't see players playing themselves into shape you see them making bad decisions Then you question what you can do. A new GM's not going to change anything, but seven games in when you played the first three without your best player, then you played one of those games with three guys with a collective seven games of NHL experience. You played four hockey games where you were going to be in for something, right? You weren't good. And three of those hockey games were against one of the best teams in the league as far as the start's concerned. It's not like they've been losing to uh, some bad hockey teams with a full lineup, man.
7: Yeah, there's yeah. still something about them just not playing well enough to even be cohesive on the ice to give it the effort that I would expect.
4: Aslam, uh, Jordan and Saskatoon uh, putting a bow on this, uh, and we'll continue this conversation. Kevin BX will join us at 8 o'clock. We'll <gasps> get his thoughts on things yes. uh, with juice. But uh, Jordan from Saskatoon saying, I love hearing you guys on the West Coast talk about weather. It's minus 34 right now, minus 48 with the wind here in Saskatoon today. So Jordan... We will yeah. shut the hell up. <laughs> based on Jordan. Jordan, Jordan, reason we all I lived live here. in the prairies. Minus
1: thirty-four is not that cold. Uh, Jordan, oh,
4: I think it's time to move.
5: It's a prairie air. <laughs> prairie
4: yeah, Jordan, yeah. I think you uh, should leave Saskatoon. But it's sunny. But it's sunny. You know. But it's sunny out there. Uh, thanks, Haslam. You thanks, take care. Guys. All right, there you go. Sun, uh you. weighing in with uh, what's happening in the world from News eleven thirty. Eleven thirty. It is uh, seven twenty-five. Uh, Super Bowl fifty-five is set. Brady and the Bucks. Mahomes and the Chiefs, it's about to go down. And Natea J, our Monday morning quarterback, it's about to go down right here. It is game day. Canucks and Senators right here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. They're going to run a float pass. Touchdown! Kansas City!
0: Kelsey wide open. And it's human pyrotechnics dressed in red, white, and gold. Brady goes for the deep shot. He's got a touchdown. Scotty Miller. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
4: Super Bowl 55 is set. And, man, from a marketing standpoint, the National Football League couldn't be happier. The GOAT against the GOAT in training, potentially. Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, Bucks. Chiefs, and we got two weeks to get the hype train going. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski. Uh when it came to our respective picks for these games, I think I was pretty convinced that the Chiefs were gonna get it done. I did not see the pack rolling over and dying quite like that at Lambeau yesterday, though.
1: Uh you know what I, I wasn't actually convinced the Chiefs. I thought Buffalo and Bill's Mafia might be good enough to upset them, not knowing, you know, yeah, I, I thought Mahomes would play, but I thought maybe the turf toe would get to him. I thought Aaron Rodgers was done, man. I just didn't – I didn't think uh, the Bucks had anything. I had Rodgers winning the Super Bowl going, what a year it was for him, did it all, gunslinger, and uh, then so many crazy decisions in that football game. And, hey, you can't go wrong. Two weeks of hype, and I think Mahomes will be okay, but Tom Brady never say never. Tenth Super Bowl is just the most ridiculous stat ever. Like, it's it's like you're, you're going camping again let's go camping. We love that spot. He's going to another Super Bowl.
4: There's 55 Super Bowls all time by the time, yes. two weeks from now. And he'll have played in 18% of them. Almost a fifth of the Super Bowl matchups, which yeah. is crazy. Uh, Natea J, our Monday morning quarterback here, joins us uh, on this Monday morning. Nate, the finals are set, my friend. You ready?
6: Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. And you are talking, you were spitting out a few Tom Brady stats. The one that was Unbelievable to me was Tom Brady has a better chance to make the Super Bowl than Steph Curry has a chance to make a three-point basket. That's unbelievable to me because when you think about Steph Curry, wow. you know, splashing through all over the place, right? But how hard is it to make a Super Bowl? Tom Brady's making it look easy.
1: Well, and he had some help. Let's go through some of the massive plays over the weekend yesterday. First off, what does it do to a team? Well, on a team that gives it up, how in the hell – Do you let a receiver get behind you when that's all they're trying to do is six seconds left in the clock before you go in for halftime?
6: That was uh, the play that I felt was, was going to lose them the game because if it came down to the end and as it did, they were down by five. If that play never happens and he keeps the receiver receiver in front of him uh, and it's just they just get a field goal, they had six seconds there. They had barely any time to do anything. So you're thinking at the very least, don't let a guy score. And you're going up against Scotty Miller. Okay. He is one of the fastest dudes they have, okay? He has one trick. He's not going to run a slant. You know, you haven't seen him run a slant all game. He's going to try to get behind you. So stay back, and if he catches it and you tackle him, it's over. You're going to have. So I was shocked by the how unprepared Kevin King was in that situation because you literally, you know, are playing the NFC championship. You have to be more situationally aware. If he wasn't, Costa's team. I, I feel like that was one of the big plays that cost his team the game.
4: Was that the worst – performance by a defensive back ever on a big stage by kevin king
6: <laughs> I, I like that all was game like he, kid, like he got like he, he got he got every killed t- out there down that was scored yeah. by by tampa bay he was on the uh, like the opposite side of right and then he makes a play in like the third quarter mike evans drops a ball and you see kevin king standing up shaking Trash his head him. like he did something yeah. i'm like come on man
1: <laughs> yeah tra- trashed him that was uh, yeah yeah to me don't gloat man just just Even contemplating, it didn't even seem like Troy Aikman was, that they weren't going forward with just over two minutes left and fourth and goal, knowing, well, if they don't get it, we'll see what the Bucks can do from their own eight, and they might have another opportunity to put it in. How shocked were you on that call by Matt LaFleur to kick a field goal?
6: I was shocked. I I told myself, like, he's going to regret. That call, and it's funny because we, we had a similar situation when I was in Edmonton in 2017 against Calgary. Same type of situation, we were down seven, driving down with you know just over two minutes left, and at the time we decided to kick a field goal, and everybody on the sideline was like, "Wait, wait, wait! What, why are we doing that? Wait does he does he know something we don't know? Like our head coach, and I love our head coach, but in that situation, like the whole team was was, was didn't understand it because at the very least, especially for the Packers, you have to score a touchdown at some point, right? So to, to kick a field goal there, you still have to get a stop and you still have to score a touchdown. So just go for it there and you know you have better field position and, and all your timeouts at the same time. So it yeah. made no sense because you, the same situation presented itself after you kicked that field goal. You gained zero advantage from it. So I didn't understand it. I know nobody else understood it. And you know if it had worked, maybe, but it's still the wrong call in that situation I mean Aaron Rodgers you know you look at his postgame press conference he's like yeah I thought maybe I had another chance that's why I didn't run it in in that situation I mean Everybody at, at, at that time, you know, thought they the, they were going for it. I, I didn't even think there was an a chance he would kick it. I mean, what are you gaining from that? So I was shocked, and it seems like every week we have one of these situations where you know coaches are making the wrong calls, and I feel like you know the solution would just have these coaches play more Madden. You know, like these, you know, you can go over these <laughs> these situations over and over and over again, and then get it right when it counts. So, but it's unfortunate because Green Bay definitely had a, a fantastic season, and you know they had more chances to win that game, but. That one hurts.
4: I love how you just defaulted to a video game as being the solution <laughs> for the real world. I, this is why you and I get along so well, Nataya J, our Monday morning quarterback here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, let's flip over to the AFC for a moment, and you look at what the Chiefs did yesterday. I mean, that, that Bills team was really good this year, right? I mean, they won 11-12 going into this one, and the only loss, what, coming to the Cardinals and a Hail Mary But they had no answer. I mean, you could question some of the plays and the decision-making, going for field goals with McDermott and company. But, I mean, that Kansas City team was head and shoulders better than the second-best team in the AFC this year. And it wasn't even close, Nate.
6: Yeah, it, it wasn't like on all phases. Like you, you looked at the Buffalo receivers getting zero separation. They, that's what we call a strap. They were getting strapped all game long. Mahomes after they went down nine nothing, the switch flipped and it was. Over and that was the Chiefs that we, we saw. We thought we were going to get coming to season, and they played a lot of close games. But that was the Chiefs we saw last year when they were just you know going over, running over every team, and it seemed like they had that hunger. They had it this game, right? And after they went down nine nothing, Josh Allen is um, after scoring fourteen straight. It seemed like Josh Allen got a little flustered. You know, he was low. He was a little rattled. This evening. the look in his eyes wasn't quite the Josh Allen we've seen. And you know, it's interesting because the Chiefs. You know they they have this ability, and only great teams, the the greatest of great teams, have this ability. Where when they want to go, it's it's really nothing you can do to stop them, right? But when they get down nine nothing, we saw this last year in the playoffs when they were down twenty four uh, to to Houston. You know when they decide it's goal time. I mean, I've never seen them get stopped. And you know with Mahomes, you know he's going to be a quarterback that's you know in his third year starting, right? So if he wins this Super Bowl, he's won the MVP. And the other two years won a Super Bowl, so like I, I can't think of a better start. And it's a you know just the the best situation you can be in with the coaching staff and the type of talent they surround themselves with. It's going to be tough to beat this team in the Super Bowl. You almost have to play a perfect game, and then even when you play a perfect game, he you leave him with thirty seconds left, and he's going to score. So I don't I don't see a way a team it beats this team when they're on their game. And sometimes they don't even have to be on their game; they can be on their game for thirty seconds, and it's over.
1: You know, you know the interesting thing, and it'll be Mahomes, Brady, and everything. And I and I think the pack, and we agree, the the Packers were out coached yesterday. Andy Reid got so much credit and gave it to the coaching staff by that play last week when they go on fourth down with with Henny uh, at quarterback. Man, it's not just Mahomes though, Nate. It's it's the O line, the way they sell things, the way they set it all up. I mean, that's just as well-coached a football team as you can find no matter what your position is. How they were the DBs just gluing on to Stefan Diggs irrelevant until the fourth quarter, and they were just giving giving him stuff underneath. That whole team is coached so well.
6: Yeah, I agree with you. That whole the whole culture there is is fantastic. The whole team is coached. the The coaching staff does a great job of getting their guys ready. You can tell, even situationally, you can tell. And then you have the ultimate X factor in Mahomes, and he obviously will get a lot of the credit because he's the quarterback. But you know, they they had Alex Smith before, and they're you know going to the playoffs every single year. But Mahomes is that kind of guy, and no matter how well coached you are, he can put you over the top, right? So, you know, credit goes out to them. And then you see situationally, like even special teams-wise, they're, you know, coached up well, except for that muff punt. But defensive wise, I mean, they don't have the best defensive players, but they're all great in their roles. Right. So it's uh, it's such a treat to watch. And, and we we see a dynasty unfolding in them going for their second Super Bowl. We see we get to see Tom Brady, you know, going for his 10th appearance. And and right. So it's uh, it's definitely a treat for us to watch. But the Chiefs, you know, ultimate team right there. That's what you call a, a team and playing com- complimentary football. Right. Because. Each side of a ball understands what, what they need, and it's I don't understand how you stop them. It's so unfair when you watch their offense. It feels like they're playing on a CFL field, honestly, the way they be able to create space, and that's a testament to their coaches, of course. Man, could you
4: imagine that team on a CFL field? <laughs> oh, right
6: oh. <laughs> it's cancel Christmas man it'll be over <laughs>
4: uh, hey real quick both Perry and I were just saying at the outset uh, we both like Kansas City I jumped on the Chiefs uh, when I saw the line at three yesterday I just figured hey if it's going to move I wanna ta- I'll want ta- take three right now even as a road team yeah. uh, for the Super Bowl but who do you like
6: I like the Chiefs. Um, rule of thumb with all me and all my friends, if it's ever Kansas City minus three, you have to take them and you'll sleep well at night. But <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's 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 definitely our rule of thumb. Kansas City, if it's ever at three, you just jump on them. That, that's 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 uh, good logic. Fun. That's good logic. Two I like weeks
1: it. of hype, Nate. We'll we'll get back to you before they kick it off in Tampa Bay.
6: Absolutely. Always fun, guys. Enjoy your day, stay safe. You as well. There he is, Nateia J., our
4: Monday morning quarterback here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, all right, 742, uh, Kevin Bieksa uh, is now a regular Monday mornings here on the starting lineup at 8 o'clock every morning, so he'll join us on our Canucks commute coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, Tyler Myers weighing in with his thoughts of what's plaguing the team right now. Uh, also, we'll check in on our Sportsnet uh, 650 Twitter poll question this morning, which is buzzing. Uh, what's the biggest issue plaguing the Canucks right now? We'll dive into all of it. 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. He's Perry. I'm James. It's game day. It's the Canucks. It's the Senators. It's the battle for the basement right now in the All-Canadian division and we got you covered right here on your home of the Canucks SportsNet 650.
0: This is the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on SportsNet 650.
4: your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock with Kevin Bieksa, Hockey Night in Canada, former Vancouver Canuck. I'm James Stabulski. He's Perry Selkowski, kicking it with you as the Canucks back at it on the ice tonight at Rogers Arena when they take on the Ottawa Senators. And Everybody trying to figure out exactly what the HE Double Hockey Sticks is going on with this team right now, Perry. Well,
1: they are, uh, including a coaching staff that, you know, haven't been able to say, hey, guys, let's practice. Let's make sure everybody knows our systems. Uh, let's, let's do what we can. Uh, Tyler Myers, part of the media scrum yesterday, and was asked, hey, I mean, you were part of it. Expectations so much higher. What do you think in your viewpoint as a veteran needs to be done for this team to be successful and have a good week against Ottawa?
5: I don't think it's too complicated. I, you know, I think one of the biggest strengths for our team is our forecheck. You know, we have guys up front that you know can be really hard on the puck, and we just gotta we just gotta get a little step quicker and and you know get up the ice as a five man unit to where it's tough for you know it's tougher for the other team to break the puck out. So you know, I think if we just get a little you know a, a step quicker. You know, with all five guys, you know, getting on the puck, you know, disrupting what they're trying to do, you know, coming out of their zone, you know, I think not only, you know, it not only gives us more time in the offensive zone, it, you know, allows us to spend less time in ours. So, you know, I we got to work on our strengths and, you know, I really do think uh, we have a great forechecking team and we just have to, we have to get back to that.
1: So we'll see. You know, James, I, I heard a, a comment over the weekend that kind of made sense with the Canucks, too. Someone was commenting about the first press conference at the White House and the, and the White House press secretary saying, we want to be transparent. We want to work with you. Someone in the media's going, man, isn't that a uh, isn't that a breath of fresh air? She's fantastic. And it was, well, is she fantastic or it's just that the bar was so low? Um, are the Canucks terrible? Or is the bar just set so high for them that the expectations were you should be winning three out of four games right now? And that was because of the team we saw in August, not the team that we see for the first time here that has had the changes. I think it's a little bit of both.
4: Look, I think there's a lot of teams that made a lot of changes, and it's tough to sit there and say that new personnel is plaguing this team. To me, I think it's real simple, and it's the focus of our poll question this morning at Sportsnet650 on Twitter. You know, what's hurting the team the most? The runaway answer is the Stars play. It's Elias Pettersson, and it's Quinn Hughes. And we have fallen in love with these players for what they can bring, but they are young, and they are banking mistakes, and they're taking a step back right now. And they're dealing with adversity for the first time in their respective careers. I mean, you think about the year before Petey got here, pair. I mean, he was painted in gold when they won the championship. He was the MVP in the Swedish Hockey League. He dominated for Vaksal, right? And, and he comes in here in his first year in the National Hockey League. He wins Rookie of the Year. He averages over a point a game in the Stanley Cup playoffs in over two rounds. I mean, just a remarkable story. But, man, he is a shell of what he is. Now, maybe that goal that he got on the redirect the other night, maybe that turns things around for him. But right now, Elias Petterson is nowhere near in that conversation of being the player that you know you had offshore book uh, you know bookmaking accounts and and people taking bets on you know Pettersson to win the Hart Trophy, right? Like he is not that guy right now, and neither is Quinn Hughes for that matter, who was struggling. Another bad turnover. I mean, you go look. You got to go with what got you here. You need those players to turn things around. You know, I don't think it helps with some of the injuries they're dealing with on the back end. Carl texting in here at 6:56:50 650, 650 on the Dunbar-Lumber text line. The defense is one injury away from Nolan Baumgartner having to play. Everybody needs to settle down. But you can look at what Tyler Toffoli did this past week, and he walked. Jacob Markstrom the week before, and they let him walk. It's frustrating, and I'll tell you, if this continues, like if the Canucks miss the playoffs this year, it'll be seven years of Jim Benning. And I think you're well within your right to cut bait on the Canucks general manager after seven years, if this team does take a step I think, back.
1: I think it is so tough to make big decisions on this year. Now everybody's playing in the same way, but, and, and Kevin BX will join us in the other half uh, in the beginning of the eight o'clock hour. I, I just, it, you know, that's the question, right? It, it's the probability. What was the right call in green Bay? Do you go for it? Do you kick the field goal? What's the right time frame here in this NHL season where you can't practice, where they practice for the first time in five days, where you have to play a game with three guys who had seven games, cumulative NHL experience, where you have a guy who's out on COVID, and then he comes and plays his first game, another guy who flies to meet his team. What's the right time frame to say, this is what you have, Vancouver. This is as good as it gets. Is it the fact that you're going to take 10 games because you didn't have a preseason? It's going to be tough to make some really key decisions on management, on personnel, in this unique era where you see teams, you know, three and four nights is a regular, not the abnormal part of the schedule. It's difficult. Um, and I, I just don't know if we can put all our, uh, the Canucks are terrible and that's it. I think we'll have a different conversation tomorrow morning. They haven't worked hard enough. Um, yeah, the star players probably aren't as prepared, thinking it might be easy. But I just don't think this team is as bad as everyone's making them out to be, and the fire bending and and all decisions have been terrible.
4: There's a lot of really good questions and comments here on the Dunbar-Lumber text line. We'll get to some of those coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. And hockey fans, you love watching them every Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada, and he is now the newest member of the starting lineup Monday mornings at 8 a.m. It's Kevin Bieksa, and he joins the team next. It's game day. Canucks and Senators here on your Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
0: A Cup of Joe and the Canuck Commute. And the game is over as the Canucks drop two of three games against the
1: Montreal Canadiens.
5: It's such a mental grind sometimes when you're when you're not putting the puck in the net. Frustrating for sure. I mean, we battled back. We scored two quick goals. It isn't the start we wanted,
1: and but I don't think anyone's sulking and hanging their heads at this point in time. I said earlier we're only
0: seven games in, and um, we got a lot of hockey left to play. A five-star morning on the starting lineup.
4: It's your Canucks commute here on this Monday, January 25th. It is game day once again. Rogers Arena, the site to be in 11 hours as the Canucks Welcome the Ottawa Senators uh, to town for the first three games. James Sabalski, Perry Selkowski will be joined by Kevin Exit from Hockey Night in Canada here in just a couple moments on your Canucks commute. And a reminder that this hour is a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Go visit Nasir and the gang. I'm going to go actually get my oil change coming up in a little bit later on this morning. So uh, go check them out at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. It is, uh it is only seven games into the season, but, man, it feels like the buzzards are circling around this Canucks team right now, and I think, it, to me, the easiest remedy is you need your star players to be just that, particularly Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, who haven't been those guys to start the year. I
6: agree with you. Technical...
5: this is something right. that... Um... I, I, I... You know, they haven't gone through, and, and not just from a team standpoint, but from an individual standpoint. And um, when you go through adversity and, and you get, get through it, uh, you're going to be better off for it. Uh, there's not many players in the history of the game that don't have some type of adversity that they go through, um, even if they're, they're great players.
4: And there's Travis Green uh, weighing in on, on these guys dealing with adversity, really, for the first time, definitely in their professional career pair.
1: Well, they are, and our poll question is asking, what do you think the big issue is with the Canucks? Special teams, star players underperforming, goaltending, or coaching? 56% of you say it's the star players. You know, Travis Green on Thursday was kind of hard on this team in the sense that he used the word immaturity, and I think he might have been speaking to the young star players in that sense, but I actually thought of the three games against Montreal, James. Saturday night was probably their best. What you don't hear right now around the NHL is it's a process. Trust the process. When you have 56 games, it's such a sprint, and I think it magnifies everything that's going on. It'll be interesting when Kevin joins us to say, you know, how long can you wait? Because three games without JT Miller, then he comes, but he hadn't been skating. Uh, Jordy Ben plays for the first time after being up for 10 because of COVID. You had three defensemen with no experience in that second game against Montreal. You know, of the seven games, there's been some issues. Travis Hammond I hadn't played any year, practices quite since he's playing. Like, there are some built in excuses for the Canucks. No one wants them. They go to the GM. They go to the coach. I think it's a bottom line Like Tyler Myers talked about yesterday, man. Okay, what kind of team are we? We're one that makes it hard to play against. We jump on people with the forecheck. Maybe we pinch and take some chances. They haven't been that. I thought they were okay against Montreal for about 30 minutes, but then they make mistakes. Some of the veterans in the third took away the momentum. Uh, They need to play tonight. I don't think it's going to be easy against Ottawa, but if they play well, they're a better hockey team than the Visitor's
4: you got two hungry teams and two teams desperate to, uh, to kind of get things going here uh, in need of a win. The Canucks uh, having lost five of the last six and the Senators having lost four straight. But we say rise and shine and we say welcome to the squad on this Monday morning. Uh, Kevin Bieksa, Hockey Night in Canada, former Vancouver Canuck and number one in your heart. Juice, welcome back, man.
2: Hey, guys. Uh, pleasure,
4: I guess.
1: that's what we want honesty yeah pleasure maybe uh kev answer me this you know this market it's gone crazy you know everything is trending here what's a fair test of time in this 56 game schedule where they didn't have any preseason games to say what you see is what you got i don't think it's right now but how far do you go to say okay it's not about slow starts anymore this is how the team is built
3: Well, I mean, I don't really have the answer to that. All I know is, is a slow start is going to be magnified this year because it's a shortened season and it's going to be tough to play catch up hockey playing against the same six teams the entire year. So I really think the, the, the team that wins this division or the two teams or three teams at the top, I don't think they'll be at the top by a huge margin. So I think there's a little bit of urgency probably for the Canucks in this three-game series to accumulate some points and to just bridge that gap a little and and stay close because teams are going to be getting points. It's not like a a regular season where the teams in your division can go on a cold streak when they go out east or they go out west on a road trip and they lose like three, four in a row and you can make ground on them. You know, those teams, like somebody has to get points because the other six teams are playing each other as well. So I think the onus is on the Canucks to, to really concentrate on this three-game series against a team that I think is underrated in Ottawa. I think they have a good young team, and I've watched their games uh, so far this year, and they've kind of been one good game, one bad game rotating. So if they can put two, two good games in a row against the Canucks out of the three, they'll, they'll be a tough opponent.
4: No, I, they, they've they been in every game. It's just they almost need a closer right now, it seems, from a Senators' standpoint. I, I guess you could probably say a similar thing with the way things have gone for the Canucks. Juice, what kind of stands out? Like, What's different about this Canucks team right now in your mind compared to the team that everybody was romanticizing over during the Stanley Cup playoffs?
3: Well, you want my honest opinion or you want me? Uh... No, <laughs> honest. I, Rip them really...
4: Shoot, shoot.
3: Chris Tannev. I think Chris Tanev is is different, right? And I think you, you had so much success last year as a team and the years of building and the years of drafting and developing players and the trades and the acquisitions, you bring them all in and they all finally come together last year where they go on a nice little run. And I think naturally, everybody's expecting a progression. They're expecting this year to be that much better. Well, in reality, your team changed a lot in the offseason by getting rid of Markstrom and Tofoli and Tanev and bringing in, you know, Holpe and Schmidt. And there's there's some new players there. So now all of a sudden you go from a, a well-oiled machine to taking a step back as far as building that chemistry again, finding out, you know, what roles everyone's going to play. Like you have Hammonick come in. He's supposed to fill in for Tanev. Well, you know, he now he's heard and, He's not quite there and the, the personalities are all different. So this team changed a lot more in the offseason than people think. And it's you can't expect them to come out of the gates the way they finish because they're they're a different team.
1: Uh you know, I, I don't think you could say have hurt Pedersen, but is that the biggest uh, is that the biggest issue for Quinn Hughes, knowing that he had that safety blanket there and then life is different without him?
3: I don't know if, if mentally anything changes, uh, maybe it does. So I, I just think that the oftentimes we're in an analytics world now where you're looking at numbers and you're looking at, you're gauging somebody's performance by numbers. So a guy like Chris Tana, like by no means is Chris Tana of hockey games. So like the people that are listening, like oh, what is Chris Tana? Well, you know what? It's, it's his presence. though. it's his presence in the locker room. It's his presence on the bench. It's his calming effect. It's, Being able to put him out there for 23 minutes of mostly mistake-free hockey, right? Like that. That there's so many intangibles that a guy like he brings, and even a guy like Tyler Toffoli. I played a lot against him. He doesn't cheat the game. He just plays the game the right way. So I understand we're we're in the salary cap era, and you can't keep everybody. But I think you really have to look at those intangibles those guys bring because a Quinn Hughes, who's a a huge talent, right? He's he's going to be effective. Either way, but to get the absolute most out of them, to have a partner like Chris Tannehill, I warned everybody last year. You don't want to get rid of Tannehill right now, especially with Quinn Hughes. He's still young. He's still developing. He's still learning how to deal with these ups and downs and these ebbs and flows. And you know, he's had a not not his best start, but he's still he's still productive, right? He's still putting up a point a game, and he's still. Um, I don't feel like his confidence is is too low. Like I feel like he's still trying to make plays out there, and he's still pushing, and he'll come out of it.
4: Kevin Bieksa here on SportsNet 650 and I mean if if you're a veteran guy like do you get into a young player's ear when you know they're scuffling or do you try just or do you let them be like they've probably heard enough in a lot of ways too right like how do you how do you approach a young player as a vet
2: Well
3: I mean it depends who the player is and it depends both ways who the player is approaching them and who the player is that you're approaching so I don't really know you know who can really go to those two guys on that team, like I'm not, I know the dynamics of the team a little bit, but as far as who are the guys, like, uh, you know, Elliot Freeman told me that Pedersen's guy he went to was Jacob Markstrom. Well, he's gone now. And yeah. Quinn Hughes, I'm sure, went to Chris Tanev when he had, uh, you know, some questions. But from what I'm told from those two guys in particular is they're very, they're a coach's dream. Um, as far as they're accountable, they don't need to be told when they're not playing good. They don't need to be told when they make a mistake. All they need is, is the look, and uh, and they'll correct it themselves. They want to do the right things. They want to win. So that's why, like, I think you shouldn't be too worried about these guys because they have really high character, and they're internally motivated, and, you know, it'll come. But you got to understand, I said this on Saturday night, the Siddines spoiled people for... 10, 14 plus years of consistent offensive production in a Canadian market. And it's very, very hard. And Marners and Matthews are kind of spoiling the Toronto fans, but it's very, very difficult. One of the most difficult jobs to be an offensive producer in a Canadian market night in and night out because you go two, three games without producing and all of a sudden you're being blamed for the losses. It's a tough gig. So, you know, you, you got to give these guys a little bit of slack, but also understand it is their job and they have to produce, right?
4: Uh,
1: Juice, they finally got to practice yesterday. Um, is it practice. difficult to change the game just by <laughs> looking at videotape? Like when you were a young NHLer, did you want to get on that ice to go? I know what you told me, and I know what you just showed me in the video. But do they need to get on the ice and learn it?
3: Well, the the, the one thing practice is good for is to work on your systems. and And right now it's no secret, but defensively they're struggling, right? They've let in. Uh, I think they're the most goals against in the league by far. They're second in shots Mm -hmm. against. They're really struggling defensively. When, you know, Montreal put up a touchdown and convert on the extra point the other night, Mm -hmm. uh, I watched all those goals, and I watched, you know, several breakdowns on on each goal. Like, there's, you know, there was times in the first game when, like, you know, Schmidt fans on a pass on the power play, and they go down. So, like, that happens, right? Once in a while, there's, like, a mistake that turns into a goal. But when there's multiple mistakes on goals, that's where you have to go back to the drawing board and be like, listen. Like, we have to tidy up our defensive zone coverage and maybe like, tweak our scheme a little bit depending on who we have. But they certainly have to tidy up the defensive end because when your offensive guys aren't, you know, going at, the, at high octane, you have to be a lot stingier defensively. And, and that goes all the way to the goalies, too. The goalies, you got two good goalies in there, they got to start making a few more saves and maybe stopping some of the ones that they're not supposed to.
4: You know what Juice I totally agree and I, I, I don't think goaltending has been the biggest problem for this team but I would also say that you know Holtby and Demko you know it's they rotate each night because I don't think either guy has really I think they've just been average right like they haven't been bad but they've just been average fair
3: fair and, and sometimes you need your goaltender to steal you games yep. when you're you're not playing your best right that's You know, Luongo kept us, uh, we we had a really good team for years, but there were games where we didn't play very well and Luongo stole it for us. And, and you know, and and especially in the first period, maybe you come out, you're not quite executing, you're giving up a few too many chances against. Well, if your goalie puts a a donut on the board after one, it allows you to go in the the intermission in the period, kind of yell at each other a little bit, figure it out, make some adjustments and come out and have a, a lot better second. Well, you know, the Canucks haven't had that luxury, right? Their, their goaltending has been the same as their defensive zone. So I think there, there's a lot of room for improvement there.
1: You talked about it in case people didn't hear on Saturday. It was fun being at the game on Saturday, so different. And when that scrap happened early on, it's it was like old school watching, watching scrimmages at, at training camp where you get to hear all the guys on the benches hooting and hollering. Uh, that's something that belongs in the NHL in a sense that they fixed it, Tyler Myers talked about it yesterday he didn't think his hit was dirty, but he knew he had to pay a price. Will that always stay in this league in your view
3: well it's it's trying to be pushed out of the league and it's it goes back to the uh, the old age argument about having the enforcer and having the the policeman and a lot of people found that having a fourth line of of skilled young players was going to be better for the game and Maybe from an entertainment standpoint, it's a lot more entertaining to watch, you know, young guys buzz around and make plays on the fourth line. But as far as, is, you know, the integrity of the game, uh, those enforcers, and let me be careful, like not the enforcers that just couldn't play, right? Like the big, but the enforcers that could play and also use scare tactics and intimidation to keep, you know, the game at ease and keep it calm, that that'll be something that I think you'll really start to miss more and more. And you saw it with Austin Matthews in, earlier in the season when uh, you know he, he takes his licks. And there's you know Simmons can only do so much because Simmons is not really a, a big fighter. He's he's tough for his size, but he's certainly not a guy that's going to intimidate the bigger guys. Um, and then you're seeing it now. Like th- there's going to be more liberties taken, and there's going to be more hits and dirty hits and headshots and stick work. Because there's nobody that, that really feels like they need to answer anymore. And great for Tyler Myers, even though he probably didn't think it was a, a dirty hit. He's like, you know what? I, I, I hit the guy, I hurt him, and our and Armia is his friend because they played together in Winnipeg. And then he's got another guy he trains with in Edmonton asks him to fight and whether or not he agreed or disagreed of of it being a clean hit, he's like, Well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, give them what they deserve. They deserve a fight and and after that it was squashed. That's that's the thing that people don't understand. I don't think anybody took an extra shot at Tyler Myers the rest of the game. And if he turned down that fight from Edmondson or if nobody on Montreal challenged him, there would have been chippy stuff all game. There would have been guys spearing him after the whistle, yapping at him. And that's when something bad happens and somebody gets hurt.
4: So you, you just kind of let it, yeah, you know what? And everybody kind of moved on. And I think both both sides, both benches seemed to appreciate it. And guys were giving both sides, a, you know, quite the ovation when they both got out of the box. Just tell me this. I... I Big deal or no big deal in your mind, but from an off-ice standpoint, you know, word came down, Elliot was reporting last night that uh, Elias Pettersson was swapping agents, um, electing to go with Pat Brisson. He had formerly had Michael Deutsch, who, I mean, it seems like he's kind of, you know, he's got a big contract coming up, elects to go with maybe a, a bigger fish in terms of, or a shark, if you will, from an agent standpoint, which we've seen players do this. I think even Chris Tanev did it a few years back, but... You know, do guys in the room notice that stuff? Like, do they pay attention to anything like that? Or is this, uh, like, big deal or no big deal in your mind?
3: Well, to me, it's no big deal. And, and the game's changed a little bit. When I first came into the league, nobody talked about contracts and money and what negotiations. Like, it was it, it just never talked about. It was, like, taboo to bring up how much guy, how much money a guy was making. And then, you know, that slowly changed over the course of my career where guys were talking a lot more. I even heard like guys sometimes like, Oh, you're making that much. So I should probably be making this much. And so it's, it, it's a much more, um, you know, prevalent topic now in the dressing room. But as far as that, I mean, I've seen guys change. Like Dan Ham changed uh, agents just before his big deal. He went the other way. He went from a pretty big agent and just said, okay, listen, my contract's pretty simple. I know what my market value is, who wants it. And then the guy took it. It was like a quick deal you know, take his commission and see you later. So I've seen it go both ways. Um, you know, that's his personal product. I don't know what his relationship was like before with his previous agent, but um, I don't think that's a huge deal in the dressing room right now, though.
1: I don't know if we'll see huge deals as far as players moving. We did on Saturday. Uh, from a player perspective, do you think they're, they're happier in Columbus um, to have moved? Uh Pierre what just because of the situation their retorts.
3: Yeah, I think both sides are really happy because you had you had players and you had impact players on both sides that wanted out. And it, sometimes it, it, it was just like the perfect storm that they kind of equal uh, equaled out. Because usually you can't get that kind of return on a and Berkey uses the term distressed asset uh, and a guy who openly wants out and Openly isn't probably giving his best effort on the ice as we saw. So, and I mean, I don't know what 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 your rationale can be for that or your excuse for that shift can be. <laughs> like, that was a pretty brutal shift. We can all uh, probably agree on that. So, to be able to get that kind of return from both teams, I, I think they're both really happy.
4: Is there a winner in your mind?
3: No, time will tell. Like everything else, yeah. um, the Rossolovik for the third round is is probably pretty much a wash there, and then it's the line A for Dubois. Like, right now, line A is uh, a a pure goal scorer. There's not many guys in the league like him, so I know Columbus is extremely happy, and then you have the finished connection there, so they, you think that they have a good chance of locking them up long term, and and then Dubois, like, I know that we had a... Actually, I wasn't even working, but last night there was a poll on which uh, NHL team in the North Division has the best and and... The Winnipeg Jets, I think they, they got 7% of the vote. It was probably top heavy Toronto fans. But you got to <laughs> tell me, like, who, who's got a better four centerman than the Winnipeg Jets right now with Dubois coming in? Like, they, that's an impressive team. You can build around that team. You got a, a Vesna goalie, and now you got four, four studs down the middle. Uh, yeah. I think they're really happy there.
1: Uh, this will change every week, but right now, do you think in the North Division, the Montreal Canadiens are the best team?
3: Yeah, it'll change every week, but I thought they were, I thought they improved the most on paper in the off season. And then it was just a matter of, you know, everything coming to fruition, but really like their, their acquisitions. Really a team that I think, you know, the way they ended the season, they had a really good post season and they made their team stronger. So they, they went into this season better on paper and didn't really tinker, well, didn't tinker at all with the core, with the carry price and, uh, the Trident on defense and, and all the young forwards that took a big step last year, they added, they added to that group. So they're impressive. They they can beat you in all different ways. They got a lot of speed and skill. They got big, tough guys. Now they're best goalie in the league with a defense core who plays the right way in front of that goalie who controls and owns the front of the net, which is maybe a little something the Canucks could take out of their, their book, right? Like the way Montreal mm-hmm owns the front of the net it's probably the best team in the nhl right now as far as you know putting guys on their backs when they're digging at the goalie boxing out blocking shots just a defense core that plays the right way
4: well juice given the way that the canucks have been hemorrhaging goals here for the last week or to start the season uh, there's been a few people asking if you can come back and play but um thanks for doing this this morning happy monday and uh see on radio we don't even talk about hair dye here so you got off on that one <laughs>
3: Well, I'm I'm not the culprit. I don't know why you would talk about her day with me.
4: Well, you know. Brill cream. A little dab will do you. Thanks, Kev.
3: All right, guys. Talk to you next week.
4: Cheers, pal. There he is, uh, Kevin Biexa, joining us uh, this morning. Uh, And, man, what's troubling the Canucks right now? Two words. Chris Tanov. Pretty succinct there. Yeah. I Listen,
1: he he's made no qualms on this station, on the Hockey Night broadcast. Uh, he's always been a fan of Chris Tanoff. And I, I think he understands more so than anybody else the glue that likely he was. But at the same point, you know, I can't remember a lot of people going, we should never have gotten rid of Chris Tanoff. You know, if Tanoff was going to get that kind of money, You know, it's it's what have you done for me lately? Tanif was great, but how many times do we go through the number of man games that he that he missed just because of how he's played? He's been bandaged up and he goes there, and that's a warrior. But were you going to commit that much money to him? Like, it doesn't bother me that they let Chris Tanif go. Is he replaceable? I think at some point, and maybe maybe we have it now, maybe we don't. But yeah, I I don't know. um, I don't know if if Chris Tanif is the solid answer as to. Yes, this team would be a 500 hockey team if Chris Tanaf was here in the first two weeks of the season. I don't think that's
4: the case. You know, did I like the idea of committing four years to Chris Tanneff for a guy who, who has dealt with a lot of injuries and a lot of miles? I didn't like that idea. Did I like going six years with Jacob Markstrom? I didn't like that idea. Now, could I have signed off on the idea of Jacob Markstrom at three years? And Look, the market was there for Jacob Markstrom and a market that the Canucks didn't want to commit to. But I think Juice makes some good points. And, you know, I think a lot of people took issue with me on social media on this. And I was saying this on the postgame show back on Saturday night. You know, it's not the big reason why they're not winning. But you need more from your goaltenders right now. You, you, you need Holtby or you need Demko to steal a game. Per, this is something you talked about last week where you're like, okay, at what point is are we going to see a goalie get on a run? And I think that comes from a big-time performance from one of these guys. Like somebody needs to kind of step up and, and win one for this team right now. They need some help, right? The blue line's reeling right now. The forwards are scuffling right now. Goaltenders aren't playing poorly, but man, if there was ever a time that your goaltender could maybe steal you one, case in point, like Luongo back in the day, like we saw last year with Jacob Markstrom from time to time, now is the time.
1: Well, and I, I do think that, you know, you got three and four, so you're going to see both guys, but I do think we're getting closer to the point where you might definitely have a guy who's going to start playing more games if they're winning. Um, you know, the one thing in talking about Tana Fentafoli that, that Kevin suggested, he goes, it's just consistency of a pro. Like, you know what you're going to get every night. And, and that's what you knew he had in JT Miller, and he's not there yet because I think it was the slow start because of the uh, the COVID situation. You're finding that Bo Horvat's giving you pretty much consistent every night, but you're unsure. Brock Besser's getting there. We haven't seen it with with Pedersen. of course. Uh, you you thought you'd get more from a Sutter and Beagle that had a slow start. So I, I think consistency from veterans is something that maybe is overlooked. And you had that antenna. If you had that in Defoli, it's not here anymore. So you move on, but you have to give yourself some time to get going. Um but to say, you know, we looked at that blue line, okay, no Stetcher, no tanF but you get Schmidt and you get Travis Hamanek. I think everybody liked that trade. It just hasn't shown up yet, and that's where you take some time.
4: All right, 25 minutes after 8 o'clock, 6.50, 6.50 is the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Love to get some of your perspective on things. Where is this team at? A lot of people jumping in with their thoughts. We'll get to some of your voices next. Plus, Super Bowl 55 is set. It's Mahomes. It's Brady. It's about to go down in two weeks. We'll get to that all still ahead here on this Monday morning. It's game day. Canucks and Senators on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
5: Here comes the rookie again, down the wing.
0: Century pass, score! Yeah. Bowen Byram, his first career National Hockey League point.
3: Yeah, I just got the puck on the top of the blue line there and tried to move my feet to uh, create some space. And I saw Nico on the backside, tried to get it to him, and he uh, put it in that so it was good.
0: Now more of the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
4: 8.32 here on this Monday morning. It's the Canucks and the Senators from Rogers Arena tonight. Pre-game show starts at 5. Batch and Hershey with the call coming your way at 7 o'clock. James Cebalski, Perry Solkowski here on the starting lineup. And a reminder, this hour, a presentation of Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Uh, some news coming down here just in the last couple of minutes, pair with respect to uh, the Utica Comets. And that they have uh, released their training camp roster. Obviously, the Canucks splitting it with the St. Louis Blues this year. uh, But members of the Canucks organization, Sven Berchi, Mitch Elliott, Carson Folk, Jonah Gajovic, Lucas Jacek, Jake Keeley, Cole Lynn, Will Lockwood, Josh Tevez, and Jet Wu, along with John Stevens. The uh, Canucks in that mix.
1: Yeah, go play some hockey, get some games in, and uh, be better. I don't. I don't think I'm surprised by any of those uh, um, opportunities and assignments. I think once you get to Utica, the chances you getting back here are going to be slim. But you know, go down, play, get some experience, and see if you get that opportunity. Uh, also, you know, official, and you heard Chris Wall that Carolina and Tampa is canceled. You know, we talk about the schedule here and how busy it's been for the Canucks. They finally get their first practice day in yesterday in five. And on the flip side of that, the Calgary Flames finally play yesterday about having their week off. But, you know, you look at that Central Division and and our colleague Chris Johnson tweeting out, Florida, Dallas, Carolina, and Tampa Bay are all playing 54 or 53 games respectively in just over 100 days. So the postponement, you don't think much of it, but all of those teams essentially playing a game every second night for the next 100 days to get the scheduling. And, you know, there'll still be more postponements at some point. But, but there's no breaks for everybody. So the Canucks have been poor. You've got to straighten it out. And uh, it's amazing the pressure that will be on them tonight. To win and see if they can sweep this and get back to being on a five hundred hockey team by the time they played their first ten games.
4: Well, in, in fairness, I don't know if it's been talked about enough here in this market, but in fairness, like this has been a, just a murderous schedule to start the season for the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, right. Yeah. You went. You went three and four. Uh, you know, you went three and four to start the season, and then you went three and four again with the Montreal Canadiens, and then you go. Three and four tonight, you'll effectively, by the time Thursday rolls around, you'll have played 10 games in the first 15 days of the season. They finished up with seven and 10 pair on Saturday night, and it'll be 10 games in the first 15 days of the season. Now, I'll tell you this much: would you rather your bye week where Calgary just had it in the first week and a half of the season? Or would you take it later in the year like the Canucks will have come March? And I would say, yes, they're they're in one right now. But I would say this will benefit this team in about eight weeks' time when they've got that break then compared to what some of the – like Montreal's got their time off now, right? Like, Yeah. It's great, but like that's not going to help them down the stretch if they're dealing with some injuries or they're going to be tired by the time the playoffs roll around.
1: Well, and to Kevin's point, though, you, you're not going to make up a whole bunch of ground. Um, you know, in a sense, and, and, you know, I watched a little bit of that Winnipeg-Evington game. You know, the one thing you cheer for is somebody win this thing in regulation. So, you know, nobody leaves there. Every You know, both leave with a point, one with two. Um, that's going to be the situation you're in as, as we get to March and April. But, yeah, here here's the toughest part of your schedule, and it was for the Canucks. Let's throw in a, a positive COVID test. So you lose two players, one of them arguably your best player for the first three games. Hey, let's also bang off a couple of big injuries on the blue line to the only guys who have a whole bunch of experience and force you to, to put three guys in with a cumulative of seven games of NHL experience on the blue line. What showed, and as much as people are on this team Saturday night, Five-on-five, and I think effort-wise, it wasn't the, oh, moment like Travis Green was going, hey, man, that might have been our best game. We played a really good 50 minutes. I'm not going to give you 50 minutes, but I will say that was the best game you played against Montreal that week, and now you have to to build on that. And to think the Ottawa Senators come in here and you go, oh, thank goodness, we got the Sens for three There's six points. That might be six points, but only if you're working like dogs – and only if your talented players are the best guys on the
4: ice. Well, and and the fact is that there, there's been no bonus points in any of the losses either, right? It's not like there's been any three point games for the Canucks when they've lost. They've just lost outright in regulation. Bickness, our uh, host of the of Canucks Central at noon uh, weekdays here on Sportsnet 650, and also the producer of the program with Sat and Walks. Uh, he just took to Twitter here in the last couple of minutes, pair and and just to try to get a sense of where the temperature is at in this market right now around this team. Vic kind of taken to Twitter saying, hard not to feel like this is an era-defining game for the Canucks tonight. One week could impact the next five to seven years. And, you know, kind of some mixed reaction to what Vic's tweeting out there. And, you know, it seems a little excessive when you're talking about going into game eight of the regular season. But based on the whispers and the scuttlebutt going around up in the press box, um, upstairs uh, at Rogers Arena on Saturday night. It does sound like I don't know if there's going to be much in the way of patience for this team to struggle publicly uh, over the next little while. And this week could be could be a very critical week for the Senators and from a management team going forward that, look, Jim Benning's coming up on seven years. Now, do I think the answer to, is to fire Jim Benning this week? I don't think it's the answer right now but if we're by the middle of the season and this team's still stuck in the mud pair i think all bets are off when it comes to the security uh of jim benning and the fact is like you are you are nearing a critical stage here for this franchise that you've got Pedersen and Hughes contracts that are coming up. We saw the first sort of move in the last 24 hours where Petey shifted to Quinn Hughes' agent with Pat Brisson. So, you know, are they going to try to take the Taves and Kane approach, saying, hey, look, we're attached at the hip here. We're with this team together. And, you know, there's no screwing around with the negotiations, right? You know, they'll know how these negotiations are playing out with one representative for both these players. But the other thing to look forward is, The window for this team to win, in my opinion, is three years, including this season, because I think the complexities of the cap are going to be magnified in another two years beyond this when JT Miller and Bo Horvat's contracts are up. And those are nice, manageable contracts right now at $5.5 million. But, man, that'll be a different story if those guys continue to play the way that we have seen from them as Vancouver Canucks, In another couple of years, those guys are are going to want to get paid. And so you're going to have to commit to that core, and not everybody's going to be able to stick around. Look at Chicago. When teams that win, you can't afford to keep everybody. And you've got this window now, and I think time is starting to become of the essence for this Vancouver Canucks team to try to start to win.
1: I think it's ludicrous. If you saw any managerial move in the next week, I understand what Big's trying to say. We are seven games into a unique season where you've already had some injuries and COVID issues. You had no preseason games, and you didn't start well. As simple as that, seven games. Now, uh, you you said, you know, could I see something happen in halfway through? For sure. You know, at some point, if these guys are 20, 23 games into this season, 25, and and something's going wrong, well, what do you do? You, you can't You can't fire the players, right? I would say at that point, you wonder about Travis Green's tenure. And hang on, what happened here? Are they not listening to him anymore? Is it on the coach? But you could argue, well, he doesn't have a whole lot of time to coach him. They're not listening. You know, is Jim Benning in jeopardy? Yeah, I, I think at that point, if this team is really scuffling and 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 there has been a major gap between those who are going to race for a playoff spot and these guys maybe sitting with Ottawa company in the bottom of the basement, maybe not even with the Senators, yeah, you got to make a change. You look at it. But to suggest that if they go 0 for 3, worst-case scenario, 0 for 3, Jim Benning and or Travis Green, that's trouble. Well, unless they're getting indications from those agents and the negotiations as they go in, unless they don't trust Jim Benning with the dollars and cents that he can lock these guys down to something that's palpable to the ownership, knowing that revenue's not going to be what they'd hoped and maybe the salary cap doesn't grow like they anticipated, then you make that move. But I don't think the results in the next three nights are going to dictate a shift. I think they preach patience forever. So they're going to throw it out after 10 games and a crazy start to a crazy season. I would say that's going against all his patients.
4: The other issue will be, does do the Canucks want to pay for another general manager right now? Right. When you look at how many people sure. got laid off, like how many people without the organization that got laid off and cleared out right behind the scenes, you know, from a financial standpoint, the Canucks were impacted big time by this pandemic, just as a lot of other teams in pro sports have been impacted. Is there an appetite right now to assume another salary for a high level executive like another general manager at this point where you'd have to pay Benning and say another individual? But I, I don't like I don't think it's necessarily tonight the night, but if the Canucks have a bad showing against the Ottawa Senators this week, pair, I think all bets are off. Legitimately. I think all bets are off. It doesn't feel like it's it doesn't feel like now is the time, but to me by the middle of the season, like the only general manager that served longer than Jim Benning in this market is Pat Quinn, right? Like, he like longer than Burke, longer than Gillis. I mean, it's kind of shocking to think about it, but Benning's been here for a long time. Yeah, but you take a
1: team that's on a—well, we, they weren't even on a rebuild. All of a sudden, they make the playoffs, and then you're not sure what they are. takes a couple years for them to decide they are rebuilding. And then they get there quicker because of Pedersen and Hughes and what they drafted and the three great rookies in a row. So that buys them that time, right? Yeah, but I, I can't pin it all on Jim Benning right now. How much of it would go on Travis Green if they're losing? Going, hey, man, like how have, they, how have they not bought into what you've taught them? How do they not know when to pinch and when to go back? So uh, there's a lot of people that can put on the microscope when they're not playing well. I just think it's so quick to dissect this team and where they've kind of had some built-in excuses with issues to start this first two weeks. Like the fact that Jordy Ben was back, and this is Jordy Ben, but I'm watching that game going, well, at least they've got some guy with NHL experience back on the blue line. That helps. So when you get players back and and, and getting into spots that you go, all right, we're closer to an NHL team, um, you know, and JT Miller played with energy and Calgary for, for one period and then lost, but now he's probably – getting in stride. I think the same for Nate Schmidt. I I just think it's so tough to make a decision in this unique year to do it in three or four weeks because of a start uh, would be, man, you're, you're trigger happy. Don't go there yet. Don't make that change.
4: You you can't punish Benning for the Luongo recapture, but man, the Erickson deal. I mean, you got a guy who's making six, you got a guy who's making $6 million that, you know, that Has done nothing Hasn't even played a game For the team this year Right You got another Three million dollars That is set to go to Utica right now In Sven Berchi You know Like that money Starts adding up that On a don't flat cap though, James. Yeah, is, that,
1: is that new to the Aquilini's No well, they knew that No but, but here sure but, but, Apologize a
4: hundred times for it No but here's the thing At some point You gotta sink or swim With what you got And Pedersen and Hughes Have been able to compensate For the albatross Of those contracts And right now They're scuffling so the irony to me is that the two guys that landed Jim Benning an extension could be the two guys that could cost Jim Benning his job here in the next, what, week or few weeks potentially if Pedersen and Hughes don't turn things around. Like, it is somewhat comical, but, you know, when a quarter of your salary cap is tied up with guys who are either on the fourth line or not playing, I mean, that's on the GM, right? At some point, you got to wear it. You're the captain of the ship. Jim Benning deserves all the credit for drafting Pedersen and Hughes, but he also deserves to wear it for the cap problems that this team's at, where they had to cut bait on Jacob Markstrom, where they couldn't keep Tyler Toffoli at four million in four years. Right? Like these moves hurt because those guys came back and kicked the crap out of the Canucks this week. Well, the
1: the one thing I could look at if I'm if I'm the organization, I'm the owners, going, okay, if we get through this year, we've got some money to spend this summer. How has Jim been at shopping? Geez, we weren't even big on Tyler Myers. We're two years in, and that 6000000 million doesn't look great on us. And we know the and we know the Berchie. So you might be a little hesitant to go, Jim's great at finding players, but spending and acquiring, there's obviously a question mark there. But I think it's too quick to be doing something like this.
4: Alright, 8.45, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul show. Dan Murphy set to drop by and visit with Rintoul, Jeff Merrick as well and Benjamin Albright. A busy show for Scotty coming up and we'll have some final thoughts and look ahead to tonight's game between the Sens and the Canucks. Next, right here, it's game day! Canucks and Sens on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Juice, what's different about this Canucks team right now in your mind compared to the team that everybody was romanticizing over during the Stanley Cup playoffs? Well, you want my honest opinion or you want me uh, (laughs) to... Honest. Shoot, shoot!
3: Chris Canov. I think Chris Canov is is different.
0: Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, SportsNet 650.
4: All right, nine minutes to uh, nine o'clock. Uh, there's Chris. Uh, there's Kevin Biexa. Uh, well, pretty Chris, much...
0: Chris Tanna's
2: agent. Yeah.
4: <laughs> you know, Juice has a relationship with Tana, but man, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's not completely wrong right now that you know would Chris Tanna make a difference for this team on the back end? Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Sure. Someone texting in saying, by the way, Calgary's 500, so it's like Chris Tanev's not going to be a savior. But it's, it's where you fit with the team. And because they've been decimated on the blue line, that's where, that's where they miss them. Hey, and you know what? There will be a time here coming. I thought Nate Schmidt got away you know, a couple of one-timers on Saturday. Go, Okay, this guy can shoot the puck. There will be times where people will text in, and we will get up in the morning and go, boy, Nate Schmidt looked good. Looked like he's got his laybacks. He's back in playing shape. That was a good move. Right now, when you're leaking everywhere, and giving up so many opportunities, you don't look at at anybody in that blue line and go, they played well. That being said, someone texted in and made a good point. Ole Olevi gets in front of a Shea Weber shot on Saturday. I don't know if I'm or not. Comes into a rush, it's a goal post. Hey, quietly, while we talk about how poorly this team is, Ole Olevi is looking like, yeah, you might be able to play
4: here. Ole uh, Olevi put one off the post in that second period, and boy, it was – you know, it would have been a nice story for him, and what a way to get his first would have been, you know, in style too. Um, but it's not there yet. You know, I think he's still trying to find his way. Um, we'll see how it goes. Look, tonight is a winnable game against a Senators team. Paris, the only game in the NHL tonight. I'll, t- I'll take the Canucks to win this one tonight. I think the Canucks will find a way to bounce back. They had a practice day yesterday. They're at home. I think this team benefits from that, and I think they should be able to win this one tonight against the Sens.
1: Yeah, we have been uh, pretty good. We make our predictions uh, just before we sign off. I'll agree with you. Uh, A team that has struggled uh, needs a win, and I'm not discounting the effort we'll see from Ottawa. But I do think this becomes the start. Although they lost Saturday, I thought the Canucks were better. Uh, They get a practice in. I, I think they will be full value for a victory in 60 minutes tonight
4: uh hey look super bowl 55 is set with mahomes against brady chiefs and bucks should be an outstanding i mean from a marketing standpoint for the nfl it's a dream come true scotty will have a bunch of that i like the chiefs with the early line right now uh we'll be back at it tomorrow morning it's per tuesday Todd Bertuzzi drops by we'll break down tonight's game remember pregame show starts at five this afternoon Puck drop a batch in Hershey at seven right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650.